All right. I guess we could do a show. I think we should. We right. got am I, the, am uh, I yelling yet? Not yet. Okay, no. Give me a sec here and I'll get a... I, 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 you didn't believe me the other day, but I'm not yelling. If you actually listen to the show... I feel now you're, you're making no, it. It doesn't matter. Effort. I'm yelling now because I'm really upset. <laughs> okay. It doesn't matter because what I was saying to you was that if you listen to the show post... Definitely yelling. After it's been uploaded... Yeah. You accuse me of yelling. I'm not accusing you. I'm just now letting there was, you know. there was accusations. I'm just letting you I'll know. I'll accuse you of not getting your haircut in just a second. So God, I know. Very I long. hate it, dude. I hate it you, so much. You were talking for a second there, and I was like, are you Kelly Lee from uh, back in the day? Because you had a Kelly Lee. Bad News Bears. Oh. Drove the motorcycle. Dude, I've, it's getting there. It's get, We're talking. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be like senior high school yearbook picture long At soon. some point. If I, I'm ever talking to you and you have to do one of the two following moves, you need to get your hair cut. If you have to swing your head to get the hair Which out of I your would face, if I wasn't wearing a hat. And or if you go like this. Because yeah. there's some of your awesome hair stuck in your mouth. Yeah, dude. Those two things. It's really. Please get your hair cut. It's, it's not good, dude. I, well, what happened was I. Uh, you're not front loaded, though, right? So your hair wouldn't grow that way anyway, right? What do you mean? Well, like with front loaded, meaning that like when your hair grows, like it grows just as fast in the front as it. Oh yeah, no, it's it's long all the way around. So it's it's it, not this long, but it is like long, but only because that's it came been cut from, shorter. Yeah, it's been cut shorter. Yeah. I, so back to me yelling. Okay, you just yeah, yelled. Right. Right. Um, welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. By the way, I am uh, once again the guy that cannot say the show's name anymore. Welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I am How are Ryan you Irwin. It? Well, I got my uh, cough drop stuck. Oh, I was talking. And you are. I'm John Huck. All right. right. So anyway, um, I lost my train of thought. We were talking much. Oh, we were talking about um, the yelling thing. If you listen to the shows, I'm not yelling. Well, right. I mean, also you say I am, but if you listen to the show, it doesn't sound like that. Also, I think if you if it did sound like you were yelling, so like my mom would have mentioned it because she usually mentions mentions everything. Audio flaws and you guys sound like mice and whatnot. You guys are talking too fast. Yeah, that was my favorite when she thought we were talking too fast, and then I listened to what she she's like, (laughs) "What do you got? How much?" She asked how much uh, green tea I was drinking. Like, how much green tea are you drinking? Why green tea? Because I had been talking about tea uh, on the show, and she's like, "You know, there's just as much caffeine in tea as there in coffee." I go, "Yes, so what?" And then like. We then she hears the next show and it's like we literally when I heard it it sounded like the Chipmunks and, and I'm like I'm sorry do you really think this is how Brian and I were talking to, like there's just no way we could maintain a conversation that fast for that long uh, without being our guest Lee could our former guest yeah Lee, our, yeah like, Lee he, he who could I definitely yeah, I ran into Lee the other day I told you that he could definitely um, so before we got on air what I was talking about on my phone is that every you know I play um, the theme song off of the phone. And um, I, I realize how sad it is that every time I go, I have to search it up, and that's the only thing that comes up on my uh, iTunes search. And these, I think it's because I don't know how you are. I I get I don't listen to music on my phone anymore. I that when I first got them, like that was one of the like perks, perks right? right? It was not to have to have a, another thing now. Part of me is actually pretty upset. I barely listen to music. Well, I, I think that there on. therein lies the problem because like, how do you listen to music? Just in your car. Yeah, because I have satellite. And you, oh, okay, and so you have satellite. I don't, I don't, I don't have satellite, so I play my music through my phone in my car. But are you, are you, are you doubling down? Which means, are you clouding the music and it's playing it's, through the clouds? It's Pandora. I do uh, most of the time. I do Pandora. Data other, package. You better watch uh, out. A other, what's that? You better watch out. Your data package is going to explode. Uh, it hasn't been a problem yet. Well, um, it will be. Maybe you can only listen before nine or after five p.m. 
What year? What are you telling? That's like what so, year? that's like someone going, "Don't text me anymore, man. I'm almost out of minutes." <laughs> um, but I was gonna the. I also listen to when I do do iTunes. Um, again, it goes through my phone. Uh, I said do do, but uh, that's and in my house I have a Bluetooth speaker that I will play music through my phone, or I turn my TV on and go to Pandora and listen to Pandora through my TV. But I yeah. definitely still listen. It's crazy because I used to make. I used to be annoyed at people who couldn't listen to whole albums. Like when I would put, like I had a friend who would always be like, he'd put in a, a tape and we'd listen to one ACDC song and he'd take that tape out, put in another tape and we'd listen to a Wasp song. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, let's just listen to all of Who Made Who or all of Fuck Like a Beast and just let, let's just listen to the whole album, okay? Two things going on there. One, you're an album guy and a lot of people aren't. But That's not but out. not anymore. No, well, no, but back then actually, you were an album guy. Yeah. So you... you Wanted to experience. The I full liked all album. the music. Yeah, right. you wanted to experience the full album. He, on the other hand, was a bad DJ because you can't DJ with tapes because there's too much work going on in between. <laughs> yeah, it each was thing. definitely. <laughs> there's a lot of clink clank. Let, clunk, let's just clunk, say the clink, songs clink, clink. didn't run into each yeah, other and not, get smoothed over in any kind of uh, fun beat. Yeah, no. I mean, but yeah, so you're just because you're an album guy. I, I was I was fifty fifty. But sometimes I was an album guy, and then sometimes I wasn't, and I did want to listen to other stuff. But that what I would do, though, if that was the case, is I would just make the mixtapes first. There I you go. Do the stop, That's what go, I would do stop, too. Go. No, no, and and then when CDs came along, it became you could you have a five disc changer, and oh, I put it on shuffle, and then I can listen to like different. Diff- I mean, that was the beginning for me of like jumping around and pandora i love because i'll put on like the classic metal station yeah and it gives me everything i get van halen i get slayer i get metallica i get megadeth i get anthrax then i get like then they'll play like steve miller and motorhead and like it's i get like i get a nice variety of that type of music with pandora and you don't you're not just plowing through albums but when i do when i finally get a new record player whenever that's going to be I do An enjoy record player, right? Yeah, I had to throw mine out. It, it's it doesn't work. This anymore. is a flashback podcast. We actually <laughs> did this podcast back in '78. We're actually recording this onto a phonograph. <laughs> but I, uh, but I, I want to be able. To, I like I like putting on actual albums. I like putting on all of Purple Rain and listening to the whole thing. You I know, was never a Prince guy. Oh man, Purple Rain is. I mean, I'm not like a massive. I wouldn't call. <laughs> yeah, we should just bring in our guest now because he almost left when Brian said he wasn't a Prince guy. Did you? When you say that, do you mean you just never got into his music? Well, a couple things. Bring, bring the guest in first, okay. and I will explain. Uh, very, apparently, he wants to argue with me. So well, let's just I, get right off. The I don't bat. know if let's it's going to be arguing as much no, as no, it's it just is. like it is. He's what very kind of weird gray heart do you have that only beats once a year? For, for, to not okay. like Prince. Our guest today, uh, very special guest, someone I've known for a very long time, uh, television producer, Ira Stone. Hello, John Huck and Brian. Yes. You don't like Prince? What's wrong uh, with listen, you? Here's the thing. So I am old enough to have remembered uh, the, the day that MTV came on the air. Like yeah. I remember a okay. buddy of mine called me because he had cable, and he's like, dudes, I'll get over here right now. MTV is happening. This thing is going to happen. Right. We went over there. And did all that stuff. And then the second thing I remember him doing is, dudes, you need to come over. You need to check out this dude named Prince. Uh, blah. And everybody else was like, all right, cool. And it yeah. just wasn't my style. I was a Cure, U2, Police. But interesting, I was a though. Mo- I was a mopey. That's fine. Like, good, trying to be but... Tones on Tails, <laughs> you know, Love and Rockets. Like, I was trying to be that alternative guy very early in my life. Okay. I was not... So to me, oh, Prince was too mainstream for you. No, it, he was I, on MTV. I honestly so that... just didn't get it. It didn't <laughs> okay. it, for whatever reason. And trust me, I felt kind of like out of place. Purple Rain. 
That whole thing that I never saw the movie, could care less, was never into it. I'm part of that video generation, and hmm. and so you would have thought, yeah, you know, I would have totally been into it. But do you, you know, like Michael I wasn't. Jackson? Not really. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, uh, okay. but, but I, I, even I was, even I was thriller very early though, okay. Michael thriller? Jackson. Thing, okay. I heard shit about Michael Jackson. You were like, I'm I out. was out. Yeah, I was already out. Really? You when That's I first fair. started hearing wow. shit about him, I was out. Yeah, it gets weird. We're a little bit too weird for me in general, anyway. Off, you know, off. I, I bought a monkey. Like the flashy people, flashy artists. I don't know. Okay. I just, I, I'm Respect surprised that. that that there wasn't some prints that broke through because of what you all those other bands you described. Like they, I mean, I guess they are a little bit more emo. Uh, but I want to be very clear, guys. I am not a purist by any stretch of the imagination. I also loved the song "Relax" from Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Right. So it's not right. like right, 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 like, right. So let's simmer down on wait, how wait, much wait. you know. But also, do you like Queen? Yes. Okay. Oh, dude, can we for two seconds? I just watched Twelve Thousand. Have you okay. seen Bohemian Rhapsody yet? I haven't had a chance to see it yet. I'm planning on seeing it. I will. I have it if you if you want it. Oh, then the answer is yes. I will be seeing it now. Yeah, dude, it's it's you loved it, right? Yeah. I mean that kid that dude is does so such a good job. Like Stan and Ollie and Bohemian Rhapsody are the two. Have you, have you seen that one already as well? Yes, yeah, yeah. Stan and Ollie is. Oh, because you're getting. Are you getting the screeners? Stan and Ollie Stan, hasn't come out yet, has it? Stan and Ollie was released in, in L.A. and New York on December 28th. Oh, okay. I saw the first showing at the ArcLight, 10, 10, 10.20 yeah. in the morning. Yeah. I couldn't wait, man. That movie, <laughs> that movie, is so well done. Stan and Ollie is so well done. I, I couldn't. You, there's no way. Any, this is not you being a homer, right? Like, no. Okay. This is me. If anything, like when they, when people are like, hey, there's a new Three Stooges movie coming out. <laughs> I was like, if my dad were alive, he would burn the studio to the ground. It was that that was that they were trying to make a Three Stooges movie. Not a this biopic. Was a biopic of of a period in their life that, as much as we've seen news clips and whatever, is still kind of unknown and. The way they did it, it's a it's a combination of like notes, letters, interviews, uh, talking to people that were there, and then like interpretation of how they believe these two guys would have sort of dealt with this situation, and it's beautifully done, man. John C. Riley and Steve Coogan become you seen it as well, Stan and Ollie. It it is the most I can I can't say enough good things about this movie. It is literally. It's in my top five favorite movies of all time. Like, as soon as I saw it, and I knew right away, like, you know, I, I grew up watching Laurel and Hardy. My dad was like a, a, a nut. He was a huge fan, a huge. And, that, and me and my brother, like, a lot of that stems from me and my mom and my brother watching those movies in the basement with my dad and laughing as a family. A lot of that is because of that. But there, as far as timeless comedy, it is insane how t- I watched a, a Laurel and Hardy short the other day. I was crying because of some of the things they did in that movie. It was so funny still. And I've seen it probably 50 times. Do you know what I mean? Wow. And this movie, I thought Stan and Ollie was, it was remarkable, man. It was really, I can't say enough good things about, about those actors, about everybody in the film. The, the women who played the wives were awesome like the guys who played the bookers everybody there's one quick shot of like Jim, a guy playing Jimmy Finlayson they they do a reenactment of the way out west dance it's a, it's a fantastic movie and and even if you don't know anything about those two it's essentially a love story uh between two friends do you know what i mean who who didn't really become 
that close until this these later European tours because they were they would work they would shoot Ollie would go play golf Stan would go edit and cut and come up with gags and they would get together the next day and they would shoot and then Ollie would go play golf go to the track like Oliver Hardy lived like it's his birthday today it's his hundred twenty seventh birthday company is that how they shot no how they went through Hal Ro- the Hal Roach Productions is the is the guy credited with putting them together like. Uh, Stan Laurel was directing. He was Chaplin's understudy. Came over, uh, Stan, he, and then he, that kind of Chaplin sort of started taking off, and yeah. Stan Laurel started to direct. And then one day, uh, this movie he's directing or supposed to direct has Oliver Hardy in it, but he burns himself. Oliver Hardy burns his hands or his arms um, doing something, uh, cooking, and uh, it comes to set and can't can't be in the shots or whatever. So Stan has to come out from behind the camera, and then Hal Roach sees all this. And to his credit, like there's a lot of probably a lot of negative things you could say about the guy, but to his credit, he saw that uh, a, uh, some chemistry between these two just in their him not being on them talking, just like right. he saw something, and then started to slowly put them into movies together, and then they sort of became Laurel and Hardy. I mean, they used their real names, but right. you know, uh, became characters and sort of blown out versions of themselves. Um, but yeah, and then Chuck they, and Nancy approved. Oh, well, my dad was mass. I mean, I don't know that my mom was a huge fan before she met my dad, but it's it's kind of hard. Like, when you watch those movies, it's kind of hard not to, like, it's, one, it's hard not to laugh, even after you've seen them a million times, and two, it's hard not to understand why the comedy is. They don't punch down. They never, they were, they, they never, like, even though some of those movies came out a little bit after the Depression, yeah, they were struggling guys going town to town looking for work in some of these, but they never really talked about the social, like, it was all about the human condition and being, and, like, and, and just being a human being. It was, which is, again, timeless as yeah. long as there's humans. Relatable. Yeah. And then, <laughs> the, and then I saw Bohemian Rhapsody the other day, yeah. and... That's one of those movies love, that like love that movie. I love how um, Freddie Mercury, at least portrayed in that movie, oh. just stood up to the to the music industry. Dude, uh, there is a that which is odd when you look back on it. Like when you listen to them and you listen to what, probably one of the greatest human voices mm-hmm. ever to sing. Yeah, and and, the, yes. and and somebody had to f- still fight. Because yeah. you know what I mean, it's always in retrospect. You're you like, oh, you're you're like, you of course, go, of course, that's yeah, a number right? one hit. Of who, course, yeah. who yeah. wouldn't want this guy to sing everywhere, all the time, anywhere he wanted? Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's no, there was nothing about his voice that would make you go ooh. No, and then the fact yeah. that there is some stuff in that movie, and, and you haven't seen it, and I'm sure some of the listeners haven't seen it yet. But um, I mean, recommended. Remy Malik is the kid's name, Remy right? Malik. He, he's, he's on iRobot. iRobot. Um, he's 38 years he's, old. That kid's 38? Yeah, he's from kid. Los Angeles. Yeah. Dude, well, that, that's a young looking. That is a. T- yeah, that's what keeps him in the business, John. Yeah, man. I, I must have looked. I, I feel like I looked 55 when I was 38. Like, let's I look better you now did, than I did when I, I was remember, 38. I look like shit. Well, you look like you look now when you, you were a baby. Now. We've yeah, seen yeah. photos. <laughs> it's, it's the same head. Ten year, ten year challenge. Ten year challenge. He looks the exact. Ooh, he's grosser. Um, uh, the yeah, that I just I was blown away by that movie, and it gets it's one of those movies where you're like, I mean, you, you remember that Live Aid concert? Yeah, that that twenty minutes, that twenty minutes, 
cemented them as one of the greatest rock and roll bands yeah. of all time. Now, and not saying they weren't already before. That they, they rocked Wembley, they rocked arenas. But reading up on it, I don't know if he knew that he had HIV or AIDS at that t- at that time when he did the Live Aid. I believe that he did. Oh, he that did. that's kind of what I was uh, led to understand is that that was he was having some troubles with his voice. At Queen had sort of broken up mm. before that, and then um, he I think I think it was one of those things like when you know you're only going to do it one more time because yeah, yeah. that was it. That was really the last Queen yeah, show in '86, right? '85. I think they might have done one other show after that, but then I think he he died in 1990. 91. 91, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, which was was really a a tragedy because he's one of those guys. There's part of me that when I think about all the musicians that have passed away early, you're like, man, what would Hendrix be doing today? Or and then you're like, but then you're like, what would Jim Morrison be doing today? And you're like, probably weigh 500 pounds and just be sucking down like Southern Comfort or something gross. Like some of these guys might not have aged well. Some of them might have evolved Im- amazingly as artists. Like Queen and others, Michael Jackson, Prince, they're ahead of their time. Make timeless music, timeless art. That's the beauty. It is. It's crazy timeless because, and, and there is some, there are some nods to like what Bohemian Rhapsody became from what it, from what it started as and what record companies were like, dude, what? You want us to play this on the radio? Like, Seven minutes long? Yeah, they go, we're going to call it Queen Night at the Opera. It was like, dude, you know everyone fucking hates opera, right? Like, don't do that. Like, it was against... And and the, what I love from the movie is what stuff... Because I don't know the history of Queen that well, but that movie showed you that the band members were pretty much behind him 100% all the way, nonstop. True there was man. never any like, isn't this a little gay, Freddie? There was never any of that for a time when there could have been. The bassist, I think, was an astrophysicist or something. Brian May is an the guitarist is an, was it got That's... a degree in astrophysicism. Astrophysicism, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> physicism. We already know you did. I have, I have pretty a much degree ex- in speaking. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean again that that era of of music. And I mean, now it's it's funny. You can do anything, but there was a time where, like, you know, if you wanted to be progressive, experimental, yeah, there were some definitely. You're coming out of an era where you know, pop music, mm-hmm. everything was controlled. Yeah. You know what I learned because I used to manage bands um, before I got into radio, and uh, or actually after I got into radio. But never <laughs> at the same time. No, you can't. Because that's conflict of interest, right? Because yeah. then they'd just be playing your radio station. Yeah, all the no, time. I, I, I started managing bands after I got out of radio. But my but my point is, a radio reference is just a running joke here. But in, in all rea- in all fairness, um, when I was managing bands, this is what I learned, and I kind of learned this from radio too: is that we all, whether you're managers or you're the um, the record label reps or anybody that runs a record label or you're a programmer mm-hmm. at a radio station, you have absolutely no genuine clue what ultimately will hit and will not. Yeah. You can force it. You can definitely force it. You can try. Yeah. And sometimes it's painfully obvious. You're like, yeah, that's a hit. Because it, it, yeah. it meets all the, the structural. It checks all the boxes. Yeah. It checks all the boxes. But then there's all this other stuff that, you know, ha- having been in the, in the system and seeing how it works, that there was a lot of stuff that was forced and just never connected. Because ultimately, you d- really just don't know what the world and how they're going to react to anything. So anybody that claims... Genius. I, I think they're 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 lying a little bit, either to themselves or to us. But you know, I mean, some people hit more often than they fail. So are you telling me that Kanye West is lying to us? That he's a genius. <laughs> but also, I feel he, like he told he told everybody he was a genius. Yeah, he, right? did, he did out he loud. Did. Yeah, it out always loud. starts there. I, I I put that in the category of anytime you're self nicknaming, we already know oh, where yeah. you stand on. Oh, stuff. for sure. But I do think that that speaks to 
what you should be doing as an artist, which is what you like. Yeah, do and your what thing. you and your friends like when I think about comedy, I think, what do me and my friends think are funny? What are the things that we laugh at? What are those things? Because that to me is comedic. Whereas some people are like, dude, you're not funny. That sucks. And like it's all subjective. And again, like you said, you never know what's going to connect with a massive audience. You just never know. Well, so yeah, do... when you're talking about creative to take it from music into the business that we all work yeah. in, yeah. it's yeah. just like, you know, at some point it's it's not that there's in a little give and take. That's a, give and take is okay. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're constantly trying to reinvent yourself because you think this is what they need, I honestly don't. You'll never you'll never find. If you're trying to please everybody all the time because that's how you think you're going to make it, I which don't, I, I don't really. What is your background? Like where well, do you come from, and how did you end? And, and what was your what was your get your initial? Where did you come from? And what was your initial game plan? And is that what you're doing right now? I Forgive n- my ignorance, but I I'm n- the stupid guy. No, nope. never thought that I'd be in television. Okay, never. I was born and raised in Los Angeles. Um, or did you want out? Did I want out of Los like Angeles? meaning like when when I grew you know as kids when you grow up you're like all right man I'm gonna something. I'm gonna I'm gonna rebel and get out of this place and go do um, something different. I had different. family members that were in the business, but I never really associated with them. Um, okay, my family was really my dad was a creative director. He's in t- design, art director. Um, by the way, in, his in dad the, in looks, the business or separate from. Somewhat into business. He did television projects. He's done. Television. He did. Okay, yeah. so he wasn't like an art director, like at a at a company, like doing the, for their businesses or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he did mostly at that time when I was growing up. Fashion. Okay. You know, art and if you if you saw him, you'd be like, yeah, you're a designer of some kind. <laughs> I don't know he why. Calls my dad a beatnik. Yeah, he looked. I only large, met him once. Uh, beard. Yeah, he looked. He looked like a 1960s beatnik who was like <laughs> hanging out at a New York cafe. Yeah, a little bit like John is. Where right in Los now. Angeles? <laughs> uh, I was born in downtown Los Angeles. Oh, okay. I uh, went to Fairfax High School. Good Samaritan Hospital, downtown Los uh, Angeles? No, it was uh, California Hospital. Okay, I know where that is. That's yeah. actually close to where that is. What Herald if he was, was like, there. I was born at the Herald Examiner? Well, I'd say, <laughs> well, we got something in common. Oh, so, on, but so on we're, Hope Street. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it. it's, as you know, in the film business, you always have to put down the closest hospital to wherever you're filming, yeah, and exactly. that, yeah, that yeah, showed exactly. up quite exactly. regularly yeah. on the call sheet. Yeah. Um, but where exactly did you hang your hat as a child? Um, as far as what is where you lived, where I lived, uh, Fairfax, the Fairfax area. Okay. Um, so in Hollywood, Hollywood proper, Hollywood proper. Okay. Did, were you a Hollywood high school kid? No, I went to Fairfax high school. Fairfax high school. That's right. That's um, right there. Okay. Went to John Burroughs junior high school, which is right there on sixth and Wilshire. Um, so was West Hollywood Ele- elementary school. <laughs> so I was really, truly, uh, you, you are, you are kid. from here, man. Yeah, I only ask that because sometimes, <clears throat> as you know, they make a big deal about all the kids that come yeah. through the schools in those areas. Cause it's funny. It doesn't seem like as many of them go through like Beverly Hill high. A lot of people that you know, that lived in Los Angeles are either, they either grew up in the Valley. Mm-hmm. Six, I'm talking about people that we're yeah. familiar with, right. That they always post them or it's Hollywood high or Fairfax high or yeah. is a majority of them. Come from relatively normal public school yeah. backgrounds. Yeah, I mean, I was growing up. Uh, I loved sports. Um, I was very influenced by sports. I used to wake up to watch cartoons, but before I'd watch Smurfs, this weekend baseball would come up. Yeah, yes. <laughs> no, it's baby. Yeah, yes. Mel Allen, and you know the Dude. music always drew me in. So I was very much into sports because of that. I was. I grew up. A Laker fan because of Magic Johnson yeah. and you know the Showtime Lakers. I can't imagine it would be impossible to not be a, be from here and be a Laker fan. Well, back if you, then it was like, fun. Yeah. I mean, it everything was super was fun. fun. Yeah. yeah, super fun. Dodgers. Yeah, Fernando Mania. Yeah, dude. The '88 team. That's like when I first Gibson. heard about the Dodgers. Yeah. Was like with Fernando Valenzuela. I was like, oh, this guy's somebody, huh? And then the Los Angeles Raiders were here, 
And I know that's a very controversial thing to say, but I'm a Raider fan because Get I out. grew up in Los No, Angeles. dude. Can I be can I just say something yeah. really quick? Like it's so funny because when I think about Philadelphia and when I think about Oakland, uh, especially the Raiders, I think shitty fan bases like it's the first thing that pops into my head but again i've said this about everyone i know from philadelphia and everyone that i know in la who's a raiders fan that i know personally are the nicest people i've ever met so it's like it's just just like no i know but it's just so weird because i I see it as like a negative thing but then i'm like yeah but everyone i know is like a nice here's the thing correct me if i'm wrong Mm -hmm. when they were here they were good. It was a heyday for them, right? There was like a short run, but they yeah. had some Madden was a coach, I was right? Say my first, no. my first live game was the Chicago Bears in 1986, watching Walter Payton <laughs> and Marcus Allen. Walter, that was actually Walter, Walter Payton's Walter last P- game. You saw Payton's last game against yeah. Marcus Allen, uh, you know, and was it? I think Bo Jackson as well. I mean, it was 1988. <laughs> yeah. Oh, or 1986. Shit, 1986. I'd never go watch That's a football right, game again. And and the the reason yeah. why I became a Raiders fan is because of the emblem. My dad showed me the tickets, showed me a ticket that he got for free. And I looked at the tickets and I was like, wow, this emblem is super cool. It is a great <laughs> logo. I'm not, I will not argue with that. And it reflects like a very old school football mentality yeah. too. Yeah. The whole concept of it. Obviously, you know, again, we all joke about, you know, the criminal aspect of it, blah, 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 whatever, a bunch of jerks, but whatever. You know what? No, but it's true. it's true. It's well, you know true. I've been to the Coliseum. True? You've <laughs> seen that shit go down, yeah. <laughs> People are assholes everywhere and like everything. Yeah. So assholes can I, be found in every, I, in every I could corner. S- I could tell you that I went to a, Raider, you know, a couple of Raider games after and my dad literally would have to move us from seat to seat to seat because a fight would break out <laughs> at the Coliseum. And that's not, I mean, that sucks for your dad to yeah. have to like deal with, he's got kids oh, with him and he's like, okay, guys, let's go. Thing, and look, John and I have yeah. talked about this before, you know, even modern, you know, today's Dodger games, we, we're very careful about where we pick seats because yeah. we have picked mm-hmm. some seats where people don't care that there are kids there. Dude, can't it, sit upper like, deck with kids. Yeah. And I, two yeah. things I'm not going to do, I'm not going to tell you how to behave, you should know better. Yeah, right? dude. You but, bought tickets, you know what I mean? yeah. Well, but I also don't want to bring my kid there and yeah. to see that. I don't want my kid to think that because I'm not saying anything that I think it's also acceptable behavior. Agreed. And I'm also not going to get in a fight because also the bait, my attitude is if they're behaving that way already, I don't. they're not going to second guess punching a dad. Fuck no. You don't, no, yeah, no. You don't know what they and have. I have and you don't, they have you don't know what they have. They, they could have, have a knife or they well, could And don't. I also have a very punchable face. So I already know that going in. <laughs> It, it's not worth it. All right, so you were a big sports fan. Big growing sports up. fan. I was also. We were, you know, we're a small knit family. So I was. We were. We How many loved, kids in your family? I was. I'm Just only you. child. Okay. I'm only child. Really small family. And we talked about outer space. We talked about UFOs and Carl Sagan at the time. And you know, so I was very influenced by the cosmos. So I studied, and I got in, introduced to Einstein and Tesla at a very young age. So I was very much influenced by outer space as a young kid growing wow. up. And it's influenced me as a producer today. Right? No, that's I, great. Last year or a couple of years ago, I got a chance to work on a Tesla show about Nikola Tesla, <laughs> an investigation show by, by the producers who created uh, Ancient Aliens. Okay. So that was... Do you me, watch Ancient Aliens? Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> and, you know, and it was such a cool thing to work on that show because... I got to hear why they made that show. And the creator, Kevin Burns, said, we didn't make the show because it's a show about finding aliens. It's actually a show about finding God. And I was like, what the fuck is he? I'm sorry, I don't know if I can cuss. Yeah, you said whatever you want. It's too late. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Um, I was like, wow, this dude, 
thinks on another level, and I can see why it's such a big hit. It's thinks outside the box, and you never, and in science, you never truly say this is it. You know, it's, yeah. science is not a belief system; it's a it's a method of inquiry. So, the way they approach ancient aliens and the way we approach Tesla was we never said anything definitive. We asked questions, but we said, "Could this be?" Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, "Well, this, this is, is what happened." Yeah. Well, yeah, it's 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 always the constant willingness to learn and evolve. Yes, and never assume that there is a finite answer to anything. Right, that which yeah. is for for many people yeah. is very frustrating. Right, yeah, because you know a lot of people just want answers. Yeah, they want they want everything answers. to make sense, and so they can do whatever they got to do. In, in this business, I'm I do also story. I'm a story producer, and that means. They want you, the network sometimes wants you to be definitive about something, and that's just not my nature. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and which makes sense from their standpoint. I, I get it, I get and it. I'm sure you probably understand it to an extent, even when it's frustrating, because you understand for them, putting a button on something, their job is to satisfy the viewer mm-hmm. and never make them feel unsatisfied, which, which is the threat of they won't come back because they feel like you're... You're taking them on a journey that they're never willing to commit to. Does that make sense? Like that that's a fear I think a lot of I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I think it's just a fear that a lot of people have is that every even even if you look at a lot of shows on television, mm-hmm. every episode, even though there's an arc, they have like little mini arcs and they yeah. make sure they finish something in yeah. every episode so you never are left like yeah. you know, I can't deal with this. And I totally get that and I you know, I'm with you there, but at the same time I think that also sometimes takes away from the authenticity. Absolutely. And, and you hear that from the audience. You know, well, they're not really authentic. They said this, and they're not living up to that standard, Yeah. for instance. You know, so to me, it's, it, and I, could get, I get that, you know. Well, it's also an interesting challenge, I'm guessing, for you to live in a, to, to, to work, I'm sorry, in a, in a business where your answer to everything is like, I, I don't know, for sure. <laughs> like, right? Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah. everything is always like, I, I mean, I can't say, oh, I don't know. I don't know for sure. I mean, will any of us be yeah. here tomorrow? Like, I mean, yeah. You're, you're, <laughs> yeah, you're in the business. Who hired this guy? He's yeah. a pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> you're in the business of presentation and investigation, but Absolutely. not necessarily the business of answering or fi- getting a final conclusion. And that's, and that's, and, yeah. and I guess for you, based on what you're saying about growing up, which I want to get back to in a sec here about growing up and like when you went down that path, I think it makes sense that you ended up where you ended up because it's funny that you're like, I got into, basically what you were saying was I got into science fiction, but instead of going down the path of Star Trek and Star Wars, yeah. I actually went towards Carl Sagan and Tesla, Tesla. which those are two different paths. Well, I was going to say, yeah, not science. That becomes not science fiction. That becomes. But when you when you say UFOs, your fascination would immediately go to fantasy, science fiction, and like, and you know, philosophy and what makes us human. And um, so, delving into those subject matters at a very young age, you know, trying to understand what Einstein was talking about with relativity, what and Tesla, who was complete opposite who had a different way of physics and energy and the way he looked at the universe was so fascinating. And, and to get into, you know, television <laughs> because of influences like Einstein and Tesla and sports. I mean, it, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know how I got into this. <laughs> well, so let me ask you this. <laughs> let me ask you this. Were you a good, are you a good student? Were you, it sounds like you I'll, like to learn. I like to you learn. I wasn't actually a good student. I, you know, I, I got really sports obsessed, and I became so obsessed about that that as a player else, as well, or I played, and I'm you, you know five foot nine, five foot ten, you know, but I played basketball, 
and I was a really good player, and I played at Fairfax High School, which is like you a know, pretty big, pretty yeah. big school. Um, and so I was always, ex- and, and I had a lot of friends that, because of sports, I had a lot of friends that played, and so I got into that group. So I wasn't really a good student; I was a C student, maybe, you know. But but you were living. But I was living. You know, I was living in Los Angeles, and you know, then then I I could relate well to people. So I got really interested in psychology. I thought I was going to be a psychologist. Okay. I think everybody thinks that at least once in high school, but yeah, (laughs) yeah. 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 I mean, but I, you know, I'm very empathetic as a personality and people come to me with their problems. So I was like, well, maybe I could do this as a for a living, you know, help people. This is still in high school. This is what you're thinking. This is what I was thinking. And so at the end of high school, what did you decide to do? I decided to pursue that. So I went to college um, at Cal State University Northridge, um, pursued that for a couple of years, but I felt it was just too graining on me. I, I volunteered on uh, some places, and I had to help people. Actually, help people, and yeah. it was like, is this going to be the rest much. of my life? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I it gets a little know. intense. I don't huh? know if I could do this the rest of my life. And this whole uh-huh. time, nothing creative. Nothing creative. No, interesting. Not even peep- peeping in. Like, I mean, I was a good writer. At least I was told that. Uh, you know. By my teachers, that but that was, was not a driving force for you. It wasn't a driving force. It was like the back of my mind. Okay. Did you have friends that that you went to high school with that kind of immediately got into the business or had family in the business? Or uh, no, no, no. Do you think that's a misnomer about like if you live in that area, it's you know most likely you're either a child of or you end up getting into. It. Most people, I'm starting to see with my kids yeah. you know, specifically where we live. We live. A, we, we're just outside of yeah. the circuit. But we're still in Los Angeles proper. Yeah. I don't hear any kids talking about it. Like that, none of them are like, "I want to be." Like it seems like that seems to be more of a. If you're not from here, I think yeah, the thing they talk about and more that's, than anything. And that's why I, I, I've been called a unicorn in the business because I'm from Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, I met John. He's from Chicago. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's very rare. Brian's yeah. from Milwaukee area. Like it's very rare to meet someone born and raised. In Los Angeles, who works in the entertainment industry? Yeah, I mean they exist, but again, it's not. It's, it's and you were in the heart of Hollywood. I mean, in the heart Fairfax of is you're near Melrose, you're near Hollywood Boulevard, mm-hmm. you're near like the epicenter the, of where everybody comes. It's almost to like see the stuff. exact yeah, center of Hollywood, and no interest. No like interest. literally I just checked no, out. And I don't think any of my friends had any interest. Just, you did your own city thing. Yeah, but you were I a kid, one, actually, and it wasn't you know being. I had one friend. He was and he was an actor um, in Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Okay. Uh, he played the son of the of the main guy, um, but while you were in high school, he was, was he did that. School, okay, that. Uh, but other than that, no, and I had no interest. I was thinking sports, psychology, sports psychology, sports psychology. <laughs> sports psychology. Yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, and then I got to college, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna pursue this. And then two years in, I was like, nope, gonna change course. And I talked to my dad and my mom, and we were like, well, you're a good writer. Why don't you get into journalism? So okay. I became a journalist, a journalism major in college. I switched um, paths, and that's what I graduated with. It was a journal- journalism degree. Oh, okay. From Cal State Northridge. Wow, I didn't even know that. Like I met, I met you. Two thousand. Two thousand four. Was it 2004? I was going to say you've three. Got a friend. Oh, you've got a friend. <laughs> you were the producer. I was a producer. On- is, okay, first off, <laughs> yeah, um, I yeah. don't know what. You've got a friend. I'm familiar with the song. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that no. Is that in there? But oh, so, <laughs> so this was my first um, intro into America uh, taking a show from uh, England 
or Europe in general and just destroying it basically yeah, like yeah. they had something the the the, the, the episodes i saw from the british version were hilarious mm-hmm. like it was about the show's called you we called it uh you've got a friend right yeah. you, it, in britain was called like who's your best friend or something like something that, like that yeah. and it was about the the idea was a hidden camera show uh, the idea was to shoot an entire weekend <laughs> with one lunatic actor and uh, um, an accomplice who then, he, that accomplice's friends become the marks. Like, yeah. if it was me, I'd be like, hey, Brian, this is my friend Ira, who I went to summer camp with. He's visiting now. He's back for the weekend. And then Ira Hi, Ira just turns out to be a psychopath. Uh, uh, he trashes your house. He <laughs> yeah. takes his shit in the upper deck of your toilet. He, he, just, he does everything upper wrong. Upper deck of a toilet. The toilet tank, upper decker. <laughs> it's upper decker. Pooping in the toilet tank. Did you know that? I, actually, I did not. Upper, it's called an upper decker when you poop into someone's toilet tank. <laughs> well, you can tell. Well, you have lots this is when you learn about stories. people's past. You're like, I've never done it. John has a lot of poop stories. I mean, he just knows about poop. <laughs> I, I also I've had got to, like three shit stories, but I've never done that. I had a friend. Summerfest is a very big festival in Milwaukee, and I, I he told me about the Four Waller because he used to work there, and he he cleaned. He was a drummer of a band called Citizen King back in the day before he had that before they hit. He did like at the end of the night of every, I mean, you're talking about the festival. I mean, you're talking probably about, you know, 50,000 people have used these bathrooms, right? And so they would have on the radios, the emergency, the four waller. And I was like, what is the four waller? He's like, well, that's when you got to bring in the hose because it went, it was bad. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, that means somebody went in there. It got on all four walls. I don't know how to explain to you what they did, but when they took a dump, it got on all four walls. It got on all four four walls. So yeah. they called those the four wallers. I was like, yeah. is that person okay? Did anybody no, like none of those people no. are okay? That's no. like every porta potty at a fish festival. <laughs> it is... But yeah, anyway. so so you've got a friend. It was a I had done I had done a couple seasons of Punked, and then uh, Ashton and, and his producing partner uh, and their company were sort of branching out and doing other hidden camera shows. So they were nice enough to keep other us on and, and mm-hmm. kind of as a crew we could kind of grow. But this show, you've got a friend, was where I met Joe Hersley mm-hmm. and Krista Flanagan, who. Yeah are two of the most talented actors I've ever worked with. They're like great. they were so they were so good and at one point Carrie Dornetto wrote on that show mm-hmm. and she is like everything that chick touches turns to gold. She's I mean she is such a good writer. It's so crazy. The amount of talent that was on this show for what they made it was yeah. so weird and like the opposite of what it could have been. And everybody won, right? Everybody. Everybody was able to keep yeah the <laughs> yeah. person around for the whole weekend and like and eventually it was just like who cares like I just remember like we would start shooting on a Friday and we would not stop until like midnight on Sunday and like I just remember laying in our like a Rite Aid parking lot with my feet on a chair because my was, knees were swollen. It was long days, long nights. It was crazy. Isn't it crazy what we were willing to do. Well, like I've I've worked I worked thirty six hours straight once, and I thought and I saw it as a badge of honor. Yeah, and that's yeah. a badge of stupidity. That's stupidity. like abuse beyond. But like it's you super know, abusive. And it was yeah. I think it was a commercial or uh. something. You know, commercials and music videos in the early two thousands. They didn't care, dude. Just, they were grinders, man. They just in out keep yeah. constant. Keep it open. Keep it we, going. Get out. We grinded on that show. I think it was seven weeks and. And I, was this I, was this your my first, first gig? MTV show? That was your first MTV and, show, and I was my first, and first my, hidden my camera. First week, and I always remember this first week. I used to, you know, I wanted to prove myself. I was a production assistant at this point, and I wanted to prove myself. So I'd get in at eight o'clock in the morning. First person there, and also the first person there was the showrunner at the time. You know, what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Uh, 
Michael Bloom, very nice guy, very cool dude. Yeah. But the first week, he's like, Ira, can you give me some coffee? Oh. And, <laughs> and I don't know, you know, I'm not a coffee drinker at all. So I don't know anything about coffee. I'm like, cool. Uh, you go to Starbucks, get the coffee. Okay, let me go to Starbucks. I have no idea about lingo or anything, so I go there and get the coffee. I get the first order right. Great. Here you go. The second day, he comes in, and he's a little tired. And um, he's like, uh, all right, get me the coffee. Get me a big coffee. So I'm thinking, it's the same coffee. Great. Still hot coffee. Get the coffee, come back. He's like, this is not what I want. And he explodes on me. You know, I'm like, <laughs> looking around. And I'm like, everyone's like acting normal in, in, the, in the office. You know, and I'm looking around like, someone help me. Help me. He's like, I didn't fucking ask for this fucking coffee. I asked for cold coffee. Iced coffee. I was like, okay. Iced coffee. <laughs> you don't even know what that is. I was like, okay. Uh, Ice coffee wasn't a thing. Oh, no. he so blew, he blew, you know, he, I get it. He was tired and yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. And so I was like, shit. So yeah. day two, you get yelled at. Day two, I'm like, shit. Like, well, fuck at. MTV. Oh, <laughs> I got myself. And I, and I got in early thinking this right. is what you do. Yeah. <laughs> right. You wanted to be a go-getter. I want to go yeah. be a go-getter. But you also understand you have to be not only a go-getter, but a survivor. I didn't know this at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but did you did you keep showing up? I kept showing then up. Then you're so, a survivor. So my point is, like, I'm not saying well, that behavior is acceptable, but... Yeah, know. of course. But this, the next day, I'm getting also the lunch orders. And I'm talking to this guy who doesn't like, at that time, guacamole. <laughs> oh, guacamole. I'm, if you get guacamole on my order, <laughs> you don't even bother coming in here. <laughs> From this guy. <laughs> oh. oh, it was him saying that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and, about know, right. and there's 24 other people that I have to <laughs> they get, have to get lunch orders, <laughs> and uh, you know, all different. <laughs> so I'm making. Oh and you're like, you got to make sure you get this right. You already fucked up on your, you know, the order, <laughs> the coffee order, the coffee. Get this right. You know, all right, I'll get this right. I call. In this point, this is what 2004. There's no like restaurant like today where you can order online right. and make sure that your your orders are correct. You have to physically check it. Yeah. And I physically checked everything. I was like, I am not going to get fired over this, you know, missing one little guacamole. Now that you know people get really upset. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was looking for like, you know, like people's and I wrote everything down. And everyone's like, no guacamole, but everything, everyone's telling me everything fast. And I'm like, what, 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 you know, luckily like he was like, no guacamole. Yeah, I want to. I couldn't stress it enough. <laughs> no guacamole. All right, great. I'm. He's not going to get guacamole. So I'm making sure everybody's knickknack is right. Get back to the office. I'm like proud of myself. Like oh, I got everybody's order right. They come back to me <laughs> an hour later, like around three o'clock, two o'clock. All right, can you come in the office real quick? As I drop the water. Um, I'm like sure. Um, you did not get Michael Bloom's <laughs> order right. I was like, what are you talking about? He asked for, I forget at the time, like potatoes. There was no potatoes? No. We really have to, you know, they close the door. <laughs> I mean, There's a closed door meeting closed about, door meeting about, about fucking about up like two orders in a row. Shit, right. Getting the orders right. How important this is. And I was thinking to myself, 
I'm going to get fired over food, coffee, and food. You and, went to college. And I went to college. Yes. Yeah, I'm an educated man. Degree. I came from, you know, uh, the animal planet where I was like a coordinator and I coordinated all these shoots. And I'm going to get fired over missing the fucking potatoes. Potatoes and hot coffee or cold coffee. I, dude, I completely remember this too because <laughs> I remember having a conversation um, with, and saying, it's like his second day. Give him at least a week and a half. Like, right. I was like, you can't just let him go over food. I was like, that's insane. Isn't it amazing though? And you, and now you know, you know, years later, <clears throat> food and parking can set fucking anyone off. Yeah, I, I've, I am like, it is amazing to me. That's what they will tell any new person when they comes in and be like, listen, you need to understand something. Yeah. Food is really important. It's important. When, yeah. where, what? Yeah. And parking getting it right, getting it right, yeah, yeah. and yeah. making sure that if someone says I want parking, they have their parking because if they don't have their parking and they have to walk an extra fifteen feet, it's going to be a bad. And you're just like, it's bad energy. Re- yeah, <laughs> I want. It's, it's weird to me that those. That's the focus, not the creative, not the creative, not all the other stuff. No. It really is all those other little things, <laughs> knickknack things that that determine a day, the attitude of the people, and how it determines the day. But also, I'll say it. It becomes. It's just. A lot of times, it just becomes misplaced, misplaced frustration over. You know, I I watched a, an executive producer on one of my first shows freak out over the size of the cereal bowls in the <laughs> in the kitchen area. He was like, "I can't fucking play a fantasy." He literally had a fucking meltdown, and I was yeah. like, "Uh, this guy's yelling about fucking paper bowls." <laughs> yeah. I go, "What a psycho!" You know, but I don't know that he's probably just walked out of a, another closed door meeting yeah. where the network is like, "You fucking idiot! You got to get this shit done." And like, yeah. I don't know. Cause, cause people think, oh, like, look at this guy sits around with his feet on his desk. Yeah, he's he. I always There's a try lot to of things in your mind. Yeah, I always try to tell people like we're all. When someone goes, oh, I'm just a production assistant. I go, dude, we're all production assistants to somebody. Yeah, like they're like even if you're the executive producer of a TV show, you have to answer to this group of people at a network, and those people have to answer to someone above them. Yep. There are very few people, <laughs> and and eventually it's kind of circular because eventually. Uh, the people at the top are answering to the people watching TV. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. if they're getting negative feedback on something, then guess who gets shit on? Yeah. And it happens. It just rolls. It's trickle down effect. Yeah, it is the tri- yeah. It's the diarrhea trickle down <laughs> effect. But like, I so it took me a long time to come to the 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 idea that I don't. I I don't walk in anyone else's shoes but my own. Yeah. So all I can do is control what I can control. And exactly. just because someone's freaking out doesn't mean they're a bad person. They're incompetent. They're yep. you know, the, it's it it's just everyone's got a diff, different day. Like yeah. And to to put a button on this story is that I finished it out. I got everyone's order right from then on. <laughs> and at the end of it, Michael Bloom gave me. A bottle of wine as a thank you. Yeah, do you still have that bottle? Of wine? I will. I will. I will say this: Michael Bloom has won his career. Is sky, he's like over Turner or Fox or somewhere. He's he's uh, he's, he's, he's TNT, killing it. TNT. But like, yeah. but he was so funny. He was he was a good boss because he good, yeah. he could have fired me. Uh, like I was so beat down from that show that I would. But I wasn't like not living my life either. So I was still going out and drinking and being an idiot and then coming in to try to work and like. I remember I fell asleep in his office during a couple <laughs> meetings, and he was like, bro, if you fall asleep during a meeting again, I've got to let you go. And I was like, what, man? Ah, man I don't. And then I, I like get defensive, like, well, your meetings are boring. And he's like, who the fuck do you think you're talking to? Like, we're trying to figure this show out. Like, I, I did not have... <laughs> 
like I'm he's one of those guys I'm just surprised he kept me around and still takes my emails and takes my yeah, calls and like a, tries cool to dude. tries to employ me when he can. You know what I mean? Like there's like five or six guys where I'm like they and that was where I met Jeff Fisher, yeah, who is another guy. Sure. Yeah. We had we had a guy named Jeff Fisher directing and he and then one day I come in and they're like, um, we got a new director and I was like, Oh, like Jeff <clears throat> Jeff yeah. had to go on and do something else so he couldn't be here. And I go, there's Okay, two great. Jeff Fishers, right? So then they go, This is your here's your new director, Jeff Fisher and I go no, 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 the old director's name was Jeff Fisher. And he's like, no, this guy's name is Jeff Fisher, too. I go, oh, I guess we don't even have to just change the number on the call sheet then? Don't change the name? Like, what? It was so... And, and then those two guys kind of know each other, yeah. and they've been... They've gotten calls for each other to work. Like, someone... One of them, I know, has gone into a meeting and been like... They're like, oh, we, we thought you were the other guy. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. nah, I'm me. Like, what do you want? Do your research. But yeah, this is that out loud, by the way. Oh, we, hey, we didn't want you, <laughs> <laughs> but you're here, so, uh, so go ahead and just uh, say some things, and we'll ask you to leave politely. Right. But like you said, that was 2003, 2004. 2004 yeah. so, so just out of curiosity, though, like uh, once you get done with college, you again, so, how do you? Because you're you're either going in a different tra- trajectory, yeah, and then all yeah. of a sudden you're like, no, I'm gonna do this instead. Right. Like, and was so, it a conversation with friends? Somebody just well, hooked you up with the journal- job, or so journalism. You know, you either have to work at a, you know, not a market like Los Angeles. You have to work in Iowa. Right. Um, I wasn't willing to do that. So I was like, shoot, what am I going to do? Let me get back into sports. Luckily, I had a a contact over at Fox Sports. I went in for an interview. They asked me everything there is to know, uh, everything there is that quizzed me about sports. And I know everything about sports. I could tell you names. I could tell you, like, scores. I could tell you players. I could just... You were that guy. I was, I'm that guy. And they're like, shit, okay, well, we're going to hire you <laughs> as our production assistant. And not knowing anything about production or anything, but I, I thought, oh, my God, it's going to be really cool to be at a basketball game and, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I did a few few games with Fox Sports. Doing what? As a production assistant. So just so running whatever, around, PA, filling in yeah, the holes. like a runner. <laughs> I did everything. Okay. And then I transitioned. So then once that job ended, I got uh, a gig at this production company called Mike Mathis Productions. And they do, at that time, they did a lot of Discovery Channel shows, Animal Planet. Um, they did a show with, um, uh, what's her name? She, she was in Star Wars. I forget her. I'm blanking on her name. Carrie Fisher? Carrie Fisher. Homes and Made Hollywood. <clears throat> so I got a gig as a staff production assistant there. And then not knowing anything about being staff or whatever, I did that for about two years. And they, you know, I rose through the ranks, got to be a coordinator. They they been talking to me about maybe being a segment producer. And then I got a contact... Um, there was a lady there who was friends with this uh, guy who's a production manager named Chris Cook. And Chris Cook saw me, heard a lot of great things about me. He's like, I want to steal you from these guys and bring you over to MTV. Because you were doing mostly office PA <clears throat> and stuff. Is that yeah, what you're talking about? Office, and so, coordinating. Coordinating, but it was yeah, in the office. Because, you know, when you said, so you were a coordinator, mm-hmm. that in, in, in some circles that you're taking a step down, right? You're going back yeah. from coordinator back down to PA. Yeah. Yeah, and so you were okay but with that. You were gonna get your hands you dirty. Yeah, I was gonna get my hands you dirty. Wanted to, you wanted, I wanted to. Be more, I want to. Uh, I wanted to go to where the big boys play. Yeah. Okay. And so that's you know, and everyone was telling me you should do this, you know, because for the longest time they wanted to keep me at Mike Mathis. They're like, we're not letting you go. And I was like, well, I want to go. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, you got to do what's right and, for you. And they were like, okay, 
go do your, do your it got to grow. Got to grow, but you always have a job here. I was like, great, thank you. That's good. That's the, you left on good terms. You yeah, weren't a bridge so. burning psychopath. <laughs> exactly. Well. And then turn the you've got a friend into five seasons. I mean, or three, four years at Catalyst, which did punked. Yeah. And then. And what were you doing? So so. At what point were you starting to get more involved in creative? Like, when? How did you go from um, PA stuff well, to? I noticed, you know, every, you know, because being around the punk writers, I noticed how they broke down story, and I was always, in, you know, I'm interested in story. I love telling stories. I fancied myself growing up a little bit as a writer because people told me I was a good writer, so I wanted to know how they did it, and so. I'll talk to some of the writers like John Slaughter and Todd Hurwitz and just talked to one of those just talked to Slaughter on email the other day. Yeah. Yeah. And so they, you know, I just I understood the process of how they, you know, I, we would get Tiger Beat magazine. Yeah, they had to. I mean, that <laughs> was crazy. Had. They had to get those really <laughs> shitty teen magazines cuz we're like going on 30 at that point. And yeah. we're like, what are the kid what are kids like? Yeah. <laughs> like, so I want to understand what what's their process. Why are they reading Tiger Beat <laughs> Why am I getting this shit? What kind of <laughs> jerk off shit is this? And but the way they can the way they just plotted the 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 pranks interested me. Because they they wrote them as beat sheets beat almost sheets. Like, like yeah. Fifty beats or thirty beats. Yeah. And it was so well done. And I was like, I, I want to do this. Yeah, uh, this is struck my fire. And so after Punked, after ended, after a good run. It's like 2007? Seven, yeah. 2007. And I did a couple of coordinating gigs. And then I got my break um, in 2008 as a writer and co-producer for a show called The Sun. For Discovery Channel, okay, the Sun, the Sun, so the about, actual Sun, about the Sun, writing about the Sun. So, in, oh in wow, a weird way, it kind of went back. It started going back into the world that you also had. Exactly, and that's. The, Do you think that that helped you, or was that just a by chance? Definitely helped me. Okay, because um, I was actually for this one production company, I was actually going for another show, which turned out to be Toddlers and Tiaras. <laughs> right up your alley, right Toddlers and alley, Tiaras. So. Toddlers and Tiaras, or the Sun, or the Sun. Dude, I'd rather throw myself into the sun <laughs> exactly. than work on toddlers and tiaras. <laughs> but you also, so that you know, so let's talk about the sun just for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Only because, like, listen, it's hot. On face value, <laughs> you're like, all right, it's the sun. We all see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, we're gonna fucking do a whole show about this. Yeah. This thing that comes <laughs> and goes, and like, so you know what I mean? Like, that's that in itself is like, all right. That's a creative challenge, right? I mean, you can't, you know, it's not just nuts and bolts, right? You have to no, make it you have to fucking really, interesting. You have to really make it interesting. You have to make it relatable. Um, you're talking to scientists who are not trained to be on TV. Yeah, you have to make you have you, to help them. And although I did talk to, I found because I did a lot of research. I'm a good researcher, so and I knew a lot about the subject matter, and I knew I watched a lot of the programs, uh, like the Universe that was on History Channel at the time. You're like, you're like, I stared at the sun seven hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> but I found scientists who could actually talk about it and talk about it in an engaging way. Right, to people like me who would don't so, know yeah. shit. So, so yeah. that was part of your job, was That's actually finding the right people. Exactly. I even tried to, at that time, I was trying to get Neil deGrasse Tyson on the show. Uh, how do you, how do you come super, across these people? I just emailed them. Contact them. I mean, how do you, but you, 
How do you know in advance that they may be a good conversationalist? Uh, because I watched prior programs that they were on. Oh, okay. You know, All right. Okay, so you had some sort of tape on them somewhere. Some sort of tape. Okay. Or if I didn't have tape, I would talk to them, pre-interview them. See if, they, okay. But that's straight up. That's 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 pro- you're producing. Like you're yeah, like making producing. a show out I was of producing, producing, and I was also writing okay. the, the the script. So you were giving them what to say and kind of like the areas to cover. And well, the first time around, um, the showrunner at the time he he did the first round of interviews. Uh, the network didn't like it, so they sent me out. Oh wow! And I went out and interviewed these folks, and um, it was it was fun. Super fun to talk to them off camera because I. Very you were interested. It was very, a. It wasn't, and they, and they were like, "Well, how do you know about this <laughs> stuff?" <laughs> you know, and I was talking about Tesla. A lot of scientists don't know much about Tesla, which was surprising to me. Mm-hmm. And and come to why find, do you think that is? It's just well, it, come to find out, he 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 was kind of um, kind of silenced by the mainstream or by, yeah, they tried to shut him up. Yeah, because of his physics. His physics is contrary to Einstein's relativity physics. And so, and there's, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a long, long topic, but... He, <laughs> way too detailed just, for he, us. Yeah, way too detailed for <laughs> Hollywood Anonymous. But <laughs> at the same time, Tesla was just a different cat. He was just a different type of being. He, he wasn't about money. It was mostly about giving to the people, free energy. Mm-hmm. And so, helping mankind. Helping mankind. What a jerk. I know. <laughs> Piece had, of shit. But, I mean, um, his, you know, him and Edison went at it, you know, with alternative uh, currents and direct current. So fascinating, fascinating guy, f- you know, for humanity. And so I talked to these scientists out off camera and they were like, well, well I don't know anything about <laughs> radiant energy. Wow. <laughs> Can you send me some? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so you're like you're like educating and making a TV yeah, show. But they were super. I went to uh, Goddard Space Center in Maryland. Oh wow! So you know, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, so I got and I was Caltech, right? And you know, I went to all these places and it was so much fun. And I was like, oh my god, I love this. Was that the first <laughs> real producer job you had? That was the first time I was. I mean, I had associate producing right, gigs. But, but you know how. Uh, and this is, I, I'm not uh, trying to like no. belittle any, like an, the the idea of an associate producer, but like, yeah. but you know, some shows are different. Like when, when my wife, uh, when she's like, I'm a producer on Shark Tank, what she does on that show is mm-hmm. a world away from what I as a producer would do on something like Punked. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Two very different things. And you're talking about even a separate thing, which is like yeah. producing something from the ground up and like finding these people and was, making it relatable. Yeah, a lot of it was trial by fire, and um, I had to use my instincts. Um, I learned a lot from John Huck and Michael Bloom and all those, those he guys. He learned what not to do from me. <laughs> and Sounds I just try right. to use what I've learned so far and, um, and also use what I know about the subject matter and how to make it entertaining and how to... You know, make it so so when people watch, they get something, some value out of it, and so and that's kind of like what I try to do. You know, from then on, I mean, so the rest of my you f- you finish that project, and then in your head, you're like, <clears throat> I only, I kind of want to do this thing, like yeah. topics, things that interest that me, interest me, like in you know, outer space and science type of shows. Now, and which was which makes it a little bit easier because now you're in that world, right? So yeah. you're, you know, who's you've done in that one world show, as well. yeah. yeah, exactly. So I've been able to because of that show been able to do a few science shows including the last one which was tesla and doing an investigating investigation show 
about Tesla and how he died and why the, the, the government took his papers when he died, the night, the day that he died. Wow. Um, and so it, that, that to me is what's the beauty of being in this business. You, you know, going through the coffee incident and then, but doing some sort of creative and giving people value, at least, you know, a chance to learn about a guy like Tesla who I love. And, um, you know, that's, that's what's important to me. But you said you never saw your, which is funny, because now that you tell the story, I'm like, well, this is all going to make sense. But you said you never really saw yourself directing. But in that world you're talking about, it seems like almost at some point, you're, you are yeah, kind of directing. end up there, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you kind of become, you're kind of a one-man band on the road. I mean, you, you probably are. have a camera guy and an audio you, guy. You but You are. I mean, basically <clears throat> you are. I mean, you take a crew and... You know, there's a lot of prep work that's involved, as you guys know. And um, well, if you want it to go right, you, you want, want to, to you want to be right. ready and prepared. Yeah, <laughs> but sometimes it depends on budget. Yeah, you know, sometimes you have a smaller crew, and you you know sometimes you have to hold the boom. Um, but yeah, you direct and you you control the flow mm-hmm. and the story. And you are do you is this where do you see yourself kind of like? Staying this world, or is yeah, or, or now s- that you've been now that you've decided, you know, that when I've, you look back at your life arc, you're like, do you see yourself doing something else, something more? I I want to do something more because I see the the landscape of television as we know has changed Oof. the last oh, yeah. the last ten years. Yeah, <clears throat> the advent of Facebook, of uh, Amazon, of Netflix, of course, YouTube, Hulu. YouTube, I mean, everything is now online. The way we view how we consume content is mm-hmm. so different than what we were doing the 10, 15 years ago. Dude, we were. I mean, I, when I started as a PA, I did. I used a Thomas Guide. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. dude, I had like a, there was no GPS. <laughs> there was no GPS. Here's a Thomas Guide. Here's a bunch of quarters. Yeah, go use a payphone. Maybe you had a phone, like, yeah. but it didn't tell you where to go. So it's, you know, as a human being, you always have to evolve. You have to adapt. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, as a story producer, I remember as a PA taking tapes to story producers. (laughs) Physical VHS Lightning dubs, man. Lightning Lightning dubs. dubs. (laughs) Yes. Dude, I still have lightning dubs, rubber bands. (laughs) I'd be be like, can I get this on the blue tapes you have? I would get all my comedy done there. Yeah. (laughs) You get lightning dubs. Matt Fultron worked there for me. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Now we're, you know, send me a link, you know, Avid and, you know, as a story producer now, that's all we do. Yeah. We cut with the editors. Yeah. If you don't cut like an editor or close to, then you're not going to be a story producer. Yeah. That's that's where I fell out, man. I I was a great, I'm a great producer when we're talking about hidden camera, but when you you take me out of that world and I have to sit in an edit bay and be like, What? (laughs) Find story between four idiots. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Like I just, I didn't have that in me. It wasn't part of who I was. And right. and you, to your credit, learned that. And you also, you pitch your own shows. You create yeah. your own yeah. stuff too. Yeah. What do you, what do you look at and say? <clears throat> this is a show. This is a docu series. This is something that people could watch or that I think people would like. What makes you besides yeah. the obvious, like the sun and like the science of stuff and. Because you've done stuff with bands, and you've done yeah, stuff with... Yeah, I mean, the process of development, because I've also been a development producer, I've been a director of development at a production company, and you know, I've been pitched stuff, and I've gone out and pitched ideas on my own, because I've, I've figured out you know, a while ago that you know, if you're going to be in this business, why not try to make some money, but at the same time, also be creative. Mm-hmm. Make and some money doing something you respect you and respect like. respect and yeah. like, and try to you know, at least influence the sphere of television. And um, so what I look for 
is access. And when I'm developing something, access is number one. Can it be international? You know, and what is the story? What's the struggle here? What's, is it a fish out of water? Is it arced? Is it standalone? Is it repeatable? Is it something that a network, you know, depends on the network as well. I mean, Discovery is going to look for, you know, male-dominated shows, and MTV is going to look for, you know, female 18 to 24-year-old content. Um, so when I get pitched or if I'm pitching a show, I have to consider all these factors, these elements, part, that's part of the soup. Um, and is it a great story to tell? Is it something that is worth telling? You know, like I look at, you know, Making a Murderer that, that came on um, a couple of years ago. They, those, those ladies had access to this family, and that's how they were able to, to tell this story. And that was such an incredible 10-year journey for them. Um, and that's just documentary. Now, am I doing a docu-series? Because that's, some, you know, is it, again, is it standalone? Is it arced? What kind of story am I, are we trying to tell? Is it a fish out of water? What world are we trying to bring to the audience and to the network? And then the pitch process is also a very interesting thing. You can never really, in development, can never get attached to your, your, your passion. Your first idea. Your first your idea first, because yeah. you're going you know, to get knocked down. You're, out of 100 pitches or 100 stories that you try to develop, Maybe one or two are going to get, you know, maybe, maybe on air. Yeah, and what and what? How do you deal with that defeat? Like, if you you've got a project you really like, you have access to these people. Let's say let's say it's a band or a, a mm -hmm. group of people, and you're you're working with them to develop some sort of a series, and you get like, do you go out? Do you shoot sizzle reels for yep. this kind of stuff? Because nobody yeah. uh, looks at shit on paper anymore and goes, yeah, okay. They have to see something, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I've been fortunate enough when I've done that i have a camera i have a 5d camera so you shoot as well you're uh, a predator yeah. i'm a predator yeah although that yeah i do too i do too but i producer, hate it but it's, producer it's, editor it's producer editor shooter director shooter yeah. you're a guy who they want I'm to do not everything really an editor my producing partners luckily have been yeah and they've been able to you know piece together sizzles editing is key editing is super key if yeah. you don't know and I don't know shit, yeah. Yeah, if you don't know how to edit, so sizzle and... John's just learning Photoshop. He's doing a good Dude, job. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've seen some of those doozies. <laughs> so bad. My buddy's like, you, are you cutting and pasting? I go, that's the beauty. You can't tell Is whether I'm Holly doing it. Hollywood Anonymous? Uh, that I did that. Oh, one. you did that. Yeah, that, yeah, that's good. And then I just take... <laughs> and then I take, I, the like, <laughs> I take the faces off those, and then I put them randomly on, on other bodies that make so no Brian, sense. So, Brian, you're, you're the brains and the... Brian, <laughs> the everything technical is Brian. I'm trying to, like... To to move into the like be a little more helpful with promoting and like getting. I'm old school, man. Original. I learned a long time ago, which uh, you know, kind of listening to you is that um, you know we're we're in this business it, that they'll look back on twenty thirty years from now is a very um, uh, I don't know what you, what you call it, but a pivotal moment in uh, in in entertainment because everything changed. Mm -hmm. Like what you're talking, we, we we laugh about lightning dubs and stuff like that. Where you all of a sudden, the, the reason why we laugh about lightning dubs is because one, well, it's tape, but second of all, the fact that there was all these things set up that you had to go to get things done. Yeah. yeah. And where where it has changed mm -hmm. is you don't have to go anywhere anymore. Mm -hmm. Now everything is self-contained. Yep. 
Meaning, it's not just self-contained physically, but you start becoming self-contained. Yep. You start becoming the PA, the director, mm-hmm. the producer, the yep. writer, the showrunner, the editor. You know what I mean? The yep. distributor. Like, it's just a different world. And they're going to look back on it 30 years from now and go, it was during that time. During the time that we got into this business, that all, that all changed. And that's, but, you know, I look at it as, I think it's a good thing to always evolve. And I think it's a good thing that we do have now a lot more platforms. Like YouTube, we didn't. Netflix was going out of business seven years ago, and now they're the the premier. They figured out how to get it online. The they streaming, figured out how to stream. Yeah. People don't understand that the story of Netflix. Yep. Everything was blockbuster, dude. Mm-hmm. They crushed everybody. Yep. They made one fatal mistake, and the rest is history for Netflix. They looked at what Netflix was doing because I I was I was that guy. Yeah. I was one of the first people going, well, I mean, I've been doing Blockbuster, but if Netflix is going to just let me have these things, you know, door to door. to my mailbox. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. I'm in. And my wife was like, I don't, I don't get it. I'm like, no, no, it's fine. She goes, yeah, but, but Blockbuster does that. And then I go, hey, I just got this thing. That there, there's this thing. We can just watch it on TV. Like, it's not as much. And I just remember having these conversations with her, and she's staring at me like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. And I'm I like, like to go I go, the... yeah, but, you know, I can see the convenience factor here. <laughs> exactly. So I'm And, like, that w- right there. It was exactly. that moment where Blockbuster was like, absolutely not. Something about bandwidth, waste of time, it's not going to work. And that was it. Blockbuster, um, this behemoth, this giant goes away. Netflix makes the risky investment, and it pays off. Well, that's the thing. I, mean, I love that story, by the way. Yeah, Not my story, but the story of like how a company... Of course. I mean, convenience. I mean, Amazon is cornered at the, the market on convenience. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, that guy's the, he's the richest dude in the... Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's worth, a, what, $147 billion now after his divorce. Who knows what? But well, still, oh, I hope he's yeah, okay uh, with half yeah. of that. I don't feel bad for the guy. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. <laughs> you know, but... You he know, can drive around about, and cry off his drone. But, it's all about convenience. We're watching television on our phones. Yeah. On our, some, some people have watches. watches. Yeah. yeah. My you cousin's know, and, husband and watches whole movies be, on the toilet. Now it's going to be voice activation, like telling stories. You know, Alexa telling us stories eventually. There you go. You just, got, you, just, you just woke up, Alexa. Alexa, stop. There you go. My wife, by the way, just, you know, in this room, and I've had to stop it. She's like, oh, I got a new, um, I got a new speaker. And I'm like, yeah, but the speaker's activated by Alexa. And no, Alexa, stop. And, and that one, there's already one in there. And then she gets me another one. She goes, oh, no, I got you the new one where it controls the TV. I'm like, okay, I can't talk to this many things in the same room. It's going to be confusing. All yeah. like, what am I going to do with all the, I mean, I, and the, this, this is going to sound like I'm, you know, I'm now uh, uh, River Phoenix and, and her, <laughs> or Joaquin Phoenix and her. Joaquin, yeah. I feel bad. Yeah. That I'm, I'm like I gotta let you, I gotta let you go. I've we got have to break up. Sorry, sorry, Hell Nine Thousand. We gotta let you go. Why, I've got Brian? Hell Nine Thousand One. Brian, don't touch that but button. Yeah, Brian. it's that content, and I, I'm I'm a fan of of all this. Yeah, it's these tech companies. I mean, Facebook. What 10, 15 years ago was you know uh, just a college thing. Yeah. And now they've they've del- they're delving into television. They're producing content. Um, they're now the new. It's going to be. I mean, Facebook and YouTube Amazon is on and YouTube and Netflix and Hulu. They're the new NBC, CBS, yeah, ABC, and that's where the majority of attention is 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 going to. And so now, as a development producers, we have to think about that. Yeah, I think I'll be yes. <laughs> um, I think that my tour of duty uh, will probably. 
be done before like my because I watch my kids and I I dude I lose my mind. They yeah. watch other people play video games on YouTube. That is a source of entertainment for yeah. them. And I don't really know where that's going to end up. I understand right now, um, you know, it's their simplistic brains, and I mean that in the nicest of ways. But they're not fully developed. And I say that because like there are things that I watch when I was a child, and I will go back and watch yeah. it. Now. You're like, like, oh, that didn't hold like, up. I thought that was <laughs> I thought that was genius back then, but it turns out it is not. Okay, hey, good. The Dukes of Hazard isn't. Yeah. <laughs> this, not, this show's not smart. It's part racist. So yeah, I, it'll be <laughs> interesting to see where it all goes. But at some point, similar to watching my parents' life arc, you, at some point you just go, "I'm out." You just tap out. You're like, "I'm good." I got my little my little niche, and I, I'll stay here. Like my parents are a part of their me TV now. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's all about self awareness. Mm-hmm. If we're self aware of what you know, if if I'm the science guy, I'm gonna s- stick to science. Yeah, you know, and that's and if I pro- if I provide value in that world, I'm good with that. Yeah, you know, or if I, I love comedy as well, that's uh, I've seen a ton of John shows. Yes, but, Ira's a huge uh, supporter uh, of my stand up. Um, you know, I'll stay in that lane as well. Yeah, because it's what I know. It's, yeah, you know, sports is another thing. I mean, and so it's, it's it comes down to self awareness. I think you know, um, the networks have to be self aware now. Yeah, and I think they're that's why the the numbers are down because they, they they haven't figured out where the attention is going. Well, do you, you know? think? And because you've worked in this business, and again, you may not be able to none of us may be able to answer no. this question. But one of the things that um, the old way of doing business was getting too hung up on the research. What the research says. What the research says. Don't veer. oh, like focus oh, grouping. Focus don't fear from that. It's just yeah. like sometimes I feel like when you put those blinders on, you can't see the full picture. Sometimes you just gotta take the risk. Honestly, Jimmy Kimmel to me is the only thing that I've seen on television in the past two decades where they went, "I just go and we're gonna ignore you." And it, to me, that is a perfect example of yeah. like whatever happens, happens, and he survived it. Where. Previous to him in that category, if you weren't doing anything within three months, they're like, out, get yeah. out of here. We're done with you. So some people are willing to take the risk, but there's still a lot of that where they're like, no. Well, I think, okay, so if I was, let's say, 10 years ago, coming to you with a pitch about a 50-year-old cancer, you know, I'm 50 years old, I have cancer, I'm a school teacher, and I'm a, I want to make a show about that. And then, you know, this, this character is also going to sell drugs. Would you buy that show? Probably not. And a lot of cancer and meth. Wow, that sounds depressing as shit. <laughs> no, thank you. So Vince Gilligan went around and rejected got, by got everybody. Rejected by everybody until a small network took a chance on him. And so, for me, that's a perfect example of story trumping everything. If you have good story content, a good arc, a good timeless. So we were talking about timeless stories earlier. If we have a timeless story that's always going to win out no matter what because we're, we're we're human beings we we are driven by story i agree with you but let me let me take it one step further mm-hmm. don't you also believe because john and i um there's a couple projects we work on that are very very specific and we talk about this all the time i'm, I'm in the business of we're all in the business of accepting rejection right yep what but i also believe in the end it goes back to us talking about about music mm-hmm. it's the general public still has to make the final decision so yep. how do you get it to them right yep you need to find the person that gets you. Yeah. You have to keep going around knocking on the door until there's that one person that goes, mm-hmm. yeah, I get this. I see this. And a perfect example, one of our former guests mm-hmm. um, was... Um, I was just uh, going to talk. I think I know who you're talking about. Alan Ladd. Jr. Yeah. 
Amanda st- Ladd. Amanda Ladd, her dad, um, was the guy that greenlit Star Wars after that thing was all over the place. And he was one of those kind of guys. He kind of sat down and she talked about it. He just kind of sat down and went, Luke, yeah, I get it. Lucas yeah, had already it. met with a bunch of people and they were like, dude, we want to make another American graffiti. And then <laughs> and he was like, no, nah, I don't have that. So, he, so this guy, Alan Ladd Sr., sees American graffiti. He's like, I want to meet this Lucas kid. Because they weren't even going to put American Graffiti out. And then he was like, if they don't do it, I'll put it out. They snuck the movie off the lot to show him. He's like, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. I'll put it out. And they were like, then finally, the universe was like, no, 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 we'll put it out. And then he's like, I want to meet with this Lucas kid. Yeah. So he meets with him and he's like, uh, he's like, oh, you got any more of these American Graffiti movies? And he goes, <laughs> no, I have a space opera <laughs> that he had pitched everywhere. And people were like, get out of here <laughs> with your fucking space. Space opera? Suck it. you know. And dude, Alan Ladd sat there and went, I'll make a space opera. And like, dude, that's how, I mean, it's just, but again, it's finding that one person that looks, that looks across from you and goes, a couple things, right? There's an assessment and you know this, but yep. people probably pitch you stuff. Yep. Part of the assessment is, can I work with this person? Yep. Can I genuinely Absolutely. spend every single, if I, because if you say yes. Do I trust, do I trust this person? There's so yep. many layers to yep. a decision. Yep. Yep. That you can, you know, you could have the greatest story handed to you, but the person could be so volatile that you're like, huh. See, this is where I think things are changing. That the platforms that are available to people are, we are able to consume content anywhere. YouTube, we could put a YouTube clip about this podcast on. Yeah. People could see our faces now. Six views. Six My views. Mom, six times. Consumed that, six times. <laughs> but that one view by that one person might be like, I want, I want, I want to work with these guys. These yeah. guys seem really cool. Or the content that that they're putting out, I like it. So let's let's do something. Let's do something you more. You can find more. You can find more outlets. There's more outlets today than there ever was before. Well, and it also goes back to what you were saying too. Again, um, that person is finding it because that's what they're into: space, Tesla, exactly. right, whatever. So they're they're obviously they're actively seeking their interests. Yes, which is something that was very hard to do before when it was three television networks. Yes, yes. you get what you get. Right, and, and or the rest of it's an Encyclopedia Britannica or your weird uncle. Well, that's why you know I, I, I've attended um, a few um, real screen. Um, they're basically a real screen summit is basically a, a summit of every network head, all producers who have developed television are in this one conference for a few days, and you get to know these people. And if you get to know these people, and you get to talk to them. And you find out, oh, this person likes Tesla, or this person likes um, John Huck's comedy. Well, lo and behold, I have access to John Huck. Let me, yeah, let me, let me, let me let plug me you guys shoot in. Something really quick about you know John Huck. You know, yeah, send it to this guy. Don't get him excited. That, well, we we're all aware this is a, an example <laughs> of something that might happen. So it, it's it's yeah, you're right. It's it, it's about what who we know and what we know and what they know and I, I what I one thing I. I I'm learning and listening to you talk is you, you get excited about the business, the process still. You're not burnt out on it. You're not jaded by it. It, you're still, it seems like you like the challenge. And you may be seeking new challenges, but yeah. it's still in you. Does that make sense? Like you, yeah. you have, because I, I truly also believe you have to have the passion in you mm-hmm. for something like this because we, we, we talk about this and we've talked about it a lot today. There's so much rejection, there's yeah. so much misfire. 
There's so much whittling down of the original ideas. Yeah. All those things are part of that process, right? Sometimes nothing gets touched. You know, that's that lightning in a bottle about yeah. the 50-year-old cancer guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Every once in a while, you get that lightning in the bottle, too. Yeah. But for a lot of us, it, there's a lot of chop, 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 chop. Mm-hmm. And you got to maintain a level of passion. Yeah, it's an interest, perseverance. Yeah, um, but you know, as we as human beings, we are here to persevere. We go through a we lot. Are. Yeah, we go through struggle. The great stories of, Not t- me. of except for John, <laughs> <laughs> I've never struggled with anything in my life. The greatest stories that we love are about struggle. Yeah, overcoming adversity, it, the hero's journey, and so. That's I have that story. You have that story. John has that story, and it's all relatable. So, what's the greatest story to you that has not been told yet that you would love to tell? Uh, you have to have something in your back pocket that you're really excited <laughs> about. I, I shouldn't. I don't want. He's again. already hinted at it. It's the John Huck comedy. I mean, for, no, I mean, it's for, for you, the one, for, the, the, the big, right. the big apple that you want to really grab a hold I of mean, and try I to wish, do something. I with. wish we had a more scientifically literate society. I wish we had a more of a. A mind about that because it involves all of us. I think the story of like NASA is an interesting story, but I also think that there's also another side to it. Um, like this, uh, there's a secret space program I, that I think is going on, and I wish people wouldn't you know delve deeper into that. Um, this is something you believe. Or are you talking about you SpaceX, know. or are you so, talking about like something that I think is going on? You know, I think there's, there's, you know, NASA's doing their thing, and we are, you know, I don't want to get too deep into it, because it, it could get really... No, no, but yeah, no, so you're just saying that there are other things going on that, that we're not aware of. Exactly. Which I, I agree with. I don't think that's... Well, I'm sure there's, there's, there's privately funded space exploration well, we, happening. We know, we know for a fact there is yeah, already. Beyond yeah. Musk and beyond all those guys, I think there's stuff going on. There's technology going, that there's technology from Tesla and others that... Are probably being used in the underground. You know what's funny? It, do you do you do you feel this way? Because I, I sure as heck do now, and I, maybe it's because we're an information-based society now, more so than ever, right? Yeah. What we have access to. Yeah. That what once was 20, 30 years ago considered batshit crazy conspiracy yeah. theory. People, it's more like, yeah, I can see that. Like people are like way more yeah. like they don't walk out of the room yeah. anymore when they're you like, talk about. It. They're like, yeah, I don't really know what you're talking about. But I also don't think you're crazy. Yeah, exactly. Does that make sense? It does make sense. It's the information age, the internet. I mean, that's that's the power of it. Can I ask you a question just out of curiosity as we're going on this path? Do you believe um, that we that there have been uh, contact? Like, what's your take on the whole UFO thing? And if there's ever just I mean, and again, without um, I have friends that truly believe that there has been contact and there is technology that's been used. And if you look at, you know, they've been able to kind of draw timelines of like, look at how this kind of came about. Where would that have come about if they did? If you look at this little information, you can kind of see yeah. that kind of stuff. They're looking at it from a very analytical standpoint, not from a just like a uh, that I, I, they're going off of a flying saucer picture from the 1950s. They're doing a little more deeper. Yeah, from based on what I've you know studying the, the Tesla's of the world, I think that there has there is there are obviously conscious beings out there, and we are in contact. I think that there's an it, are we. Aware of our contact or unaware of our contact? We are aware. Aware of contact. There's a certain segment of human beings that are aware of the contact. And I think there's a certain segment of beings that are in communication, not through words necessarily. I think through maybe even telepathic waves and whatnot and codes and whatnot that I think is going on personally. And again, none of that sounds crazy. 
I mean, to some people are going to go, who's this wackadoo? But like yeah. at the same time, like <laughs> I, with w- what to that's what fine. Brian said is like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't fucking know. Like, I, I think yeah, like that's the scientific approach is, I don't know. Maybe. I think it's crazy for anybody now, you know, yeah. as time goes by. I think it's insane for somebody to be like, no. No. Yeah. What do you mean, no? Yeah. Th- what are you basing your no on? It's a, it's a belief system. <laughs> yeah, I do, yeah, I do. I mean, this yeah. is so just because Dana used to say this all the time, but she, Dana Goodman, who's been on the show and yeah. was a writer on Punk when Ira worked there, and yeah. used to fucking really make me laugh when Ira would be like bringing the food around and Tina would be like, Ira, I want to fuck you. Right, right. <laughs> the whole office, about right. <laughs> it was so, it would just make me laugh so fucking hard. But like, yeah. she always says, or I don't know if she still says it, but she used to say, uh, I believe in everything and I believe in nothing. Yeah. It's like, you, I agree. You can't like I can't be so egomaniacal that I that I know exactly. I know what happens after you die. I know about aliens. I, no, I, yeah. I you can't know any of that. It's no. like it, it's. Imp- I mean, eventually, maybe we will know for sure. But like, or we won't. Or we, or we won't. won't. And maybe <laughs> that's it's, it's maybe great. that's how the uh, conscious beings want to keep it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if I was like, yeah. flying around space, and also I was like, "What's this?" And I got like five miles from Earth, I'd be like, "Uh, never mind." And then I would fucking shoot off and go somewhere yeah, else because there's there's different degrees. I mean, there's different degrees of human beings. There's some that operate on a lower level, maybe, and there's others that operate on a higher level for some whatever reason. Just think about the stuff that we have. Sometimes yeah. I, I no. stop and I'm like, yeah. yeah, I don't know how people are figuring. But like, see, you know what I mean? Like just yeah. a basic. Yeah. We take advantage. Yeah. We, we, we accept computers. We accept cell phones. Mm. Yeah. But, <laughs> but when you think about I, my it. My simpleton brain. Yeah. I don't get like if when I actually stop, I get anxiety. Right. Going, oh my God, there were human brains out there. Yeah. Or whether or medicine, just human brains that like just yeah. can figure things out like in a way that are like be, to me. Yeah. That are beyond. I mean, look at the pyramid beyond. phenomenon. Yeah. There's pyramids around the world. <laughs> you know, not just the Egyptian pyramids. There's yeah. pyramids around the world that were made around similar times. Yeah. How the when there was no happen? machinery. <laughs> how are you getting those blocks up there? Happen? Dude, there's that. And there's and then to like what you're saying, if if we're holding these iPhones and our computers and we're recording all this is the technology that we deal with. Yeah. Now the government, the military, scientists have technology that's already light years ahead of what we have. Yes. Like, they're already... Yeah. Like, you can put fucking Tupac Shakur back on stage as a hologram now. Yeah. I am honestly surprised that hasn't caught on with, like, a lot more people. Yeah, I mean... But but it's just... But I think if, we, if this is what we have... What the government has, what they're like, what they're letting out is one thing, what they're keeping and what everyone is like... You know, fighting for is the consultant to um, Space Odyssey, the Stanley Kubrick film, uh, Arthur C. Clarke. He's on tape in 1973 saying, We're going to have devices that are wireless (laughs) in in the future. And this was 1973 or 1972. Les Paul. Les Paul. The guitarist. Yeah. The guy who created the fucking Les Paul guitar. Yeah. He was like, eh, eventually, recording equipment is going to get smaller and smaller, yeah. and you'll be able to hold it. You'll be able to hold your entire music collection in the palm of your hand. And people are like, people like these massive reel-to-reel tapes at the time, going, "You out of your mind, buddy? Yeah. We got this fucking system." It's like, no, like the, those people. I always am very impressed when I hear that or see that. Like, those are forward thinkers. Those are people that literally, really had a grasp 
Well, their brain has an understanding of yeah. certain things. Yeah, and I thought CDs were going to be it. Yeah, you 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 have a, a, an understanding of how evolution uh, of certain things work, and it, yeah. and you look at it and you go, well, yeah, the next natural thing for this would be to go to this, to go to that. And if you're not into that thing, you're like, dude, whatever. Yeah. You're you need to get out of here. But, you know, but, but even when I am, I'm, I love. Well, unless music. you're saying he had insight, or he had inside information, or you're uh, just saying that he was just a, uh, he was a critical um, thinker of he life. He was a, he was a great thinker, but he uh, he probably did have some insight as well. I mean, he consulted for Space Odyssey, and I know people find that movie boring, or some people find that movie what? Oh, that movie's boring. great, that dude. Movie's great. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's dude. If you've never seen two thousand one, dude. Holy <laughs> shit! Yeah, that's a good, and it's a it's such a good looking movie. Like, yeah, exactly. That that's what I think. Like, is always struck me about Kubrick is that like his movies are just really eye catching. Like. Yeah. Clockwork Orange, The Shining, those are like as great of movies as they are plot wise and acting wise. The they look visually, they are just fucking right on. It's crazy because he understood psychology. He really understood psychology and how we perceive things. Yeah. So if we have that insight as creator, creative beings, we could do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I agree. I do no, too. I, it's so. I mean, it sounds to me like that's a world you definitely. Yeah, I'm I'm passionate about it. Um, Is that you, know, but it, you could see yourself investigating that stuff? It, Absolutely. Not, not not in an expose form. No, which is, that always mo- seems so dramatic. No, like, I, we're going to expose this. The government. I want to lead my the rest of my career, the rest of my life, providing value to people. Mm-hmm. That's that's my like motive. Okay. If I don't, if because why else would why else would I do anything else? I mean, why do anything if it's not for providing value to people and to yourself and to your family. So, and because providing value to other people makes you happy. And yes. you know what I mean? It's a, it's yeah. a, it, it's a cyclical thing. It, it is cyclical. Yeah. And it, yeah. and it, it is, there's a, a, a smidge of selfishness, but I'm, I'm with you is like, yeah. I want people to feel good yeah. and laugh at what I'm saying yeah. because it makes me feel good that I've made them laugh. Yeah. I mean like comedians that have influenced me George Carlin, Bill Hicks. The thinkers. <laughs> the thinkers of the yeah. world. And, you know, they really, like, influenced the way I look at the world. But it made me laugh at the same time. I mean, Larry David. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. dude, yeah. So. There's a bunch, by the way, there's a bunch of Bill Hicks out on Netflix now. A lot of oh, his, really? they pumped out all his stuff. Uh, so, like, Relentless and Reckoning and um, Sane Man and a bunch of other stuff around Richard there. Pryor. Well, Pryor, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, dude, he's the, he was, in my opinion, was... I love Breyer, you know. I I love Carlin and I love and I love Bill Hicks and I love Stanhope. You know, what I mean, yeah. again, I'm with you. I like guys who who uh, push the conversation forward. Yes, put, yeah. move the conversation forward and 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 kind of took steps beyond what just people that were being polite at parties yeah. and saying like, yeah. <laughs> so, no, I, I completely get that. And then Pryor was just like, "Hey, man, I've lived a weird, crazy, fucked up life. Get a load of this." And then people, <laughs> were, and people were like, "Amazing." <laughs> yeah. So I think you know, for the listeners out there, if they want to develop something, just be true, have self awareness, and be true to what you, what, what your ethos is about. I just what I have been able to figure out about you is how you're going to get all your baseball, football, and basketball knowledge into all these things. <laughs> <laughs> how are you going to tie sports into all I this? Mean, to, uh, honestly, the sun versus the moon. <laughs> He's like sun versus the Raiders. Raiders. It's a competition show. Sun versus the Raiders. Raiders every time. Um, I don't know why I got super Chicago, <laughs> but also you, what you were just saying, you know, something that's in your ethos, something you you're that you like that you're passionate about. 
if you're going to develop anything, it should be something in that world. But also, like, what? And talking about you, work, you want to work with people that yeah. you're not going to want to punch in the face when you see them every day. Yeah. And you want to work on a project that you're going to be able to see from beginning to end and not yeah. become insanely sick of or irritated by or annoyed, or which is a problem for me in the sense <laughs> that like there's a lot of reality TV that yeah. I just simply cannot work in because I see no value in it. You mean the and Kardashians? I, <laughs> I, well, I honestly, I, mean, I see, that's... I see no social relevance or value. I see, I see brainwashing and just weird yeah. things. I just don't care for in general. It'd be hard for me to work on a show like that. Whereas even a show that was about the, I might not be the smartest dude, but like yeah. I would be way more into something like that. Yeah. But I think you, ha- it, 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 that's me though. Yeah. There are it's, other people. It's, it's who hard could to do the other things. Some of that. Yes. Times, and... Yeah. And that's the other that's, thing. You that's the think struggle. Of. That's the struggle for me. That's the struggle for a lot of people that are around my circle. Um, it sounds like for you guys as well. Um, but at the same time, as long as we push, um, and as as, we, as long as we have that 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 fire within us, and we're we're not always bogged down by the negatives that hit us or the the people telling us no, you keep pushing. Eventually, I mean, at, at, the, at some point, at least you're going to give some sort of value by just pushing mm-hmm. and whether or not you, however you define success. I mean, I define success as, you know, someone who provides value to people and that's how I define it. And so I'm fine if I get a, a, a thousand no's on something. <clears throat> Question I never asked you is you go to college, you're going to yeah. be a psychologist and then you end up uh, getting iced coffee as a PA. Your parents are thinking what? <laughs> My dad said, Fuck that guy. <laughs> but then I told him at the end that he gave me a ball of one. Oh, he was a nice guy at the end because you persevered. So there you yeah, go. Yeah. And then can I, if, the one one order Ira got for me, do you remember this? It was the grossest thing I'd ever seen. He, I, I got. I used to get these. Uh, I dispute this, by the way, but go ahead. <laughs> Pre-disputed. Oh, you saw it. I showed it to you. No. Didn't I show you the... It was it was a ice it was like a, a blended coffee or whatever one of those Starbucks drinks, and uh, he, it was something I'd got all the time and he got it a million times and he put it on my desk and then, then I was about to take a sip out of it and I was talking to somebody I was twirling the cup, <laughs> um, moving around the desk and I and it comes around and there's this like, coarse hair like I didn't think it was his hair but like a jet black like thick hair in the inside of the cup all the way down the thing and I was like. Oh, and I thought I called you. And I go, yeah. ooh, and I go, don't worry about it. But and then I just threw it in the garbage because I was like, I'm not going to drink someone's hair. I think that might have been another person that gave you that. Really? Yeah. I thought it was you, man. In my head, it was always might have been Palazzola, who I've seen actually a few months ago. Tim Palazzola. Oh, I don't remember that name. I'm a jerk. Tim Palazzola. He was. He had long, few, dark, coarse hair. He's actually now running uh, the Logo Network. Oh, awesome. Or, yeah. Um, long dark course. Oh no, I know Tim. Yeah, yeah, Tim. yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, but I don't, I don't remember him. I just, I just remember looking at it because I remember Ryan Brown was in the same office. Oh, and yeah. I go, ew, and he goes, ew. <laughs> it was really gross. Well, at least you didn't suck it up through the straw. That was what, what, that's, that's what's true. going on. Can here? you imagine? Like, I would have probably <laughs> yeah, thrown like, up, right here, dude. His teeth. You've got a, you've got <laughs> yeah, a, yeah. a four foot long coarse hair <laughs> oh. in your tooth. What? 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 It's just hanging out. He's in a meeting with Ashton Kutcher. No, I actually would be like, dude. Get the fucking hair out of your teeth. What's wrong with you? There's a couple of times he just looked at me and goes, what, what's wrong with you? And I would be like, I don't oh, know. How much so time does he have? <laughs> yeah, dude. That dude was so cool. He's so cool. 
Uh, yeah, he, he always. Nice. Maybe you guys would know better, but he always struck me going, kind of bringing this all back around for a second here. But yeah. it just seems like he seemed to appreciate and understand what he got out of this whole thing. <laughs> like I think some people really appreciate how fortunate they are yeah. in this business. He seems like. He never was a rub it in kind of guy. At least that's I mean, you guys worked with him. I don't know. No. I don't think he was a rub it in kind of guy. I think no. he's 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 changed pretty not dramatically, but he's 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 it's a perfect example of someone growing and learning and understanding. Yeah. Like the guy was like for who he was when he, when punk started to who he is now. Are I mean I'm sure he would even tell you would probably two completely different people. But always since day one he was always nice to me and like. Yeah, he was always super nice to me. Yeah. Um, I saw him a couple of years ago. He still said hello. Um, yeah, yeah. I find it interesting that his two love interests went to Fairfax High School, and I went to Fairfax <laughs> High School. That's hilarious. Ira wanted to date Ashton, I think is what we're getting there, there at now. Go. That's it. Yeah, so you like like people from Fairfax, <laughs> Fairfax High? He's Fairfax like, what? High school? Not really. <laughs> so, um, no, he was super. He's, he's actually a really smart guy. I mean, a lot, a lot of people were like, well, he, he's plays stupid characters at times but well you gotta you gotta have some sort of talent to play a fucking believable moron yeah, honestly exactly. you do it's yeah. not i mean going back to laurel and hardy you can't be you can't be that dumb and not be good at and be smart enough to know you're being that dumb yeah, like, like seal ball dude, yeah exactly <laughs> that, that's a, a, a tale as old as tv and movies really i mean my dad told me that when i saw Jackie Gleason in a in a movie with Steve McQueen, he was like, "Yeah, I go. He's so good in that movie, yeah. but he's so funny on the honeymooners." My dad's like, "Comedians <laughs> can act very well. Yeah. That this his whole thing is like making you laugh. So when he comes turn to act in a dramatic role, he's going to be great at it. It's the other way around doesn't always work so well. Like no. when you take a superly a super trained dramatic actor and then you put him in a role of comedy. Like this is not knocking Christian Bale because I love him as an actor, but yeah. I don't think he could do a, a comedy. Like I don't I don't know that he'd be great uh, in comedy. I think anybody could do comedy. You need to understand that you don't do comedy sometimes yeah. in order to yeah. get the job done. Right. Does that make right. sense? Right. No, that makes sense. You're saying he can't be wackadoodle because it just is not in his nature, which is not. <laughs> which is fine. Nature. No, He's and that's sticky. That's true. But the, the but people that can be uh, can kind of turn it on right away. Uh, I think can also be dramatic. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, like Robin Williams is probably a perfect example. Robin Williams is a great example. The guy is the psycho on stage, yeah. and then Fisher King is probably one of the one of the better movies I've ever seen. You know, it's like it's yeah. so well done, uh, and he's so good in that. And then obviously Dead Poets Society and yeah. and uh, Patch Adams. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And then the real dramatic lover, pa- Patula. The real name was Patula Adams. Well, I think to be a, you know comedians, I think make good dramatic actors because you have to almost have a source of pain somewhere, right? To be a comedian, a little bit probably. A little bit. Uh, There's probably a little bit a more drama <laughs> in the world of in, in comedians' worlds than, than other people, but but yeah, I mean, uh, I get that. I understand that. I was just saying, like. I don't know what I was saying. Sorry, <laughs> Robin Williams. Uh, well, just we—I I wanted to talk about just what working things on things you like with people you like, and I don't know yeah. how we got off on. I, I was asking about Ashton Kutcher. And oh, right, right, right. Um, Ak, yes. But yeah, I don't know. That was pretty good, guys. It was. That you want to talk about your stickers and T-shirt program? Uh, my program. I yeah. uh, for under uh, underprivileged fifty-year-olds. I started a, <laughs> a sticker and a T-shirt. Uh, 
conglomerate. You just really you've been really proud about your photoshopping, your ability to make a t-shirt. Well, first of all, about your stickers. Yeah, I sent some stickers to Steve, uh, uh, one of our listeners who um, lives out east, and he's gonna slap those on some things out there. Thanks, Steve. And um, take some photos for us. But yeah, we got t-shirts that are uh, available at T Public T E T E E Public. Uh, dot com. Just search Hollywood Anonymous merch. Um, and it's the same logo on just different shirts. You can get it on coffee mugs and whatever, and we have different versions of the logo. We're going to expand and do some other stuff. I'm just trying to get more eyes on us and more ears listening. But, you know. Yeah, no, it's good. I, I, I When I used to manage bands, I, that's when I first learned about stickering. If I told the, the, I told the, uh, the Ramones story about the stickering, right? Uh, so we were in New York. It was with this band, Citizen King. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about before they had that hit song, I've Seen Better Days, back in the I guess, late 90s. Anyway, so we were in New York, and what they had learned this thing where like you, you, uh, you get the sticker ready. It's all about getting it on anything you can. But we were, they were obsessed for a short period of time of doing mobile stickering, which is put them on people's backs while they're walking around the city. <laughs> oh, wow. Right? <laughs> but the only way you could do that is you don't walk right up to somebody and pat them on the back. That's yeah. like, you know, you're just asking to get punched, right? Yeah. So first you, get the, you peel off the sticker, and you get your fingers wet in the corner, and then you basically have to hold just a piece of it, and you have to fling. Oh, and hope you have to sticks. fling it perfectly wow. and hope that it sticks. So it was a lot. One time they missed, but it landed on a cockroach. We watched a cockroach just <laughs> wow. scurry down the street with it on. That's, That's good. Weird. That's good marketing. Cockroaches yes. with the stickers on their backs. Yeah, they're sure. more like watching What's the cockroach. Is that a cockroach? What's yeah. that sticker? Oh. So we're going, we're, we're, we're going down the street. And, you know, New York, is in, in some respects, is like Los Angeles, but like a lot more mushed in as far as famous people. You can yeah. see some want running the street. So one of them, we go down, and at this time, this is, yeah, you guys may or may not remember this. There was a show called The Profiler. It was on some dude that was on it or whatever. That's bigger than And they were like, Hey, let's uh, let's get that guy. And then goes. Somebody goes. No, no, that's the profile. And he goes. I don't like the show. And he flicks up the <laughs> and he flicks the uh, the thing on him. Right. <laughs> so then we're going down and we're like, we got we're getting ready to. One of the guys is getting ready to do the flick. Right. And he goes, let's get. It. He goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who are you flicking? And he goes. It's Joe Ramone, dude. You don't flick at Joe Ramone. And then they, he's like, no, no, we're not putting a sticker on Joe Ramone. <laughs> and we're, we all just stopped and stared at Joe Ramone. Like, yeah, A bunch I of bet. school girls. Yeah. And then we're like, that was Joe Ramone, you guys. That was Joe Ramone. <laughs> yeah, not too hard to miss that dude. No, he is huge. <laughs> he's huge. <coughs> I, got, that, I was fortunate enough to uh, run a concert right. once where they showed up. Right? That, and, yeah. I, that, and, and they... And they the best part about it was they they were very like ch- childlike. That yeah. was the one thing that I always remember about that yeah. that group. And Joey was very quiet. And I remember when they were leaving, they had to get back in the van, and they got into a big argument about who got to ride shotgun. <laughs> and they kept everyone was going, Joey, I called shotgun early. You remember, right, Joey? And the whole time, like, so is he like the dad? <laughs> like, it was such an interesting thing to watch everybody yeah. debate through the leader. Oh, wow. And he had to make final decision on who got fucking shotgun <laughs> in the van. Like, it was going to matter. They were probably driving like five minutes to the hey, hotel. Dude. You know yeah, what You, you want to get the best view you can of Milwaukee. I guess. How many night. bands did you manage? I managed two. I managed a band uh, called The Guffs, and then I helped manage a band called Citizen King. Both of them in their early phases. One was on Atlantic Records. One was on kind of Warner music. Brothers. Uh, it would have been 90s alternative rock, okay. pop okay. kind of stuff. Cool. It was good. It was a... Uh, it was a fun time. 
I was a I, I tour throughout the United States. I did in a van. It was not like the good. <laughs> it wasn't on a bus. It was not. But you know what? I look back on it now. It was like it, I mean, it was that's, fun. That's I mean, the you, hardcore yeah. stuff. <laughs> we did it. We, that's where you get the good stories yeah, anyway. If you were yeah. being flown around first class, I don't want to hear that shit. I want to hear about. Oh, we wanted it. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> no, I know. You, you, you should write a screenplay about it. But we saw. You know, <laughs> I got to see the other part of America. Mm. When you're in the van tour. You're not bypassing the little towns to get to the big cities. You're oh, doing you're playing the little towns. You're doing all the, the little, little towns. towns. And that and that was interesting. We uh, there was one tour when I was with the Guffs. We were touring with Matchbox 20 and I actually right. got to see uh, the, uh, how a hit song changes everything for you. Like yeah. overnight city almost. City to city. You yeah. you see you see the steamroll happen city to city yeah. and then all of a sudden they were gone. Ah. Because it gets, they got that popular that fast that they went from driving in vans who, who, to getting in buses who, to being flown all over the place. Yeah. Flown. Flown. Who was funding the tour? Uh, the way it works is the uh, Atlantic Records, which we were both on at that time, they, yeah. they give you tour support. Okay. So they give you X amount of money. Um, initially, the upfront, they give you the money to make your... So basically, they hand you a bunch of money, you make an album, and then it's your job to manage the rest of it. Yeah. They bought uh, a van... And a trailer with with it, so we could you know drive yeah. across country with the with the stuff, and then the rest of the tour support. You rent another van for the crew, and and you get per diems and even money for hotels. And that was my job. I was the tour manager. I had to literally run you know manage whatever money, which was very little money. Well, I'm curious also like, who who controlled the marketing that they also. They were promote. in charge of all that stuff, and no, they did not promote. So why, I saw, why fund them if they're not going to promote? Them? Because, well, I'll, I'll, I'll explain to you the way the way it works is they sign a boatload of bands. So at that time, uh, you know the, the bands that were popular. There was Duncan Sheik, oh, yeah, uh, Jewel was on Atlantic Records. Matchbox Twenty was on Atlantic Records. Kid Rock was on Atlantic Records back then. So there was like other people, and I'm listing them off because they ended up becoming yeah. successful. Yeah. They're, they put more money marketing-wise into those, those artists. Gotcha. The only amount of money they were willing to put into the band that I was working with was just to get them on the road. Hmm. And so it's a... Uh, Hootie and the Blowfish was really big back then. They were also Atlantic Records, right. and they were paying everybody's bills because mm. they were massive. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, you just and then really what it is is like go out there and then may, hey maybe Are we'll you, get lucky and it'll hit, but otherwise yeah. the answer is no. You you fade into <laughs> obscurity. Wow. You throw it against the wall and whatever. Are sticks. you in touch with those guys now or no? Uh, a little bit, yeah. We had a falling out okay. uh, for many years, and then I look back on everything fondly now. But I yeah, I mean they they still actually they just did a thirty year anniversary oh. show in Milwaukee. Oh. Um, but yeah, I mean, I still talk to him. I don't. I don't care. You know, we were all young and stupid, and yeah. of course we got in arguments. Of course we got of course, in fights. Of course, you know. And now I look at it that's and go, part of that it. was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was a great part of my youth. Yeah, you know, of that's, doing that kind of cool. stuff. And Citizen King was different because they they had a huge they got a huge record deal with Warner Brothers, yeah. a lot more money than the Guffs did, yeah. and so we were doing a lot. Of, that's how I ended up kind of falling in love with Los Angeles because I was this was all based out of Milwaukee. Okay. And we would come out here and do showcases all the time, and it was all okay. expenses paid showcases. In, where whereabouts in, in Los Angeles? Uh, off, uh, actually, over by where John lives. There's a bunch of uh, there's a bunch of uh, rehearsal studios. Ira lives over there now too. There's yeah. a bunch of rehearsal studios just east of uh, Paramount Studios, off of Melrose. Uh, I, I there's like the there's the um, I think there's a baseball diamond or like a soccer field baseball diamond there. There's a little area back there. I can't remember exactly what the street is because I mean I'm going back like you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, late '90s at this point. But 
uh, back there, there was a bunch of rehearsal studios back there. We would go, and we would actually put on shows in the rehearsal studios for executives (laughs) and stuff like that. Wow. But then also go and do you know clubs in the in the city. I think okay. uh, Citizen King got to do the Troubadour. Oh, cool! Yeah, so that was kind of fun. Awesome. We did. Uh, uh, they also did uh, Whiskey a Go Go. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And what I liked about that stuff is that for me, knowing that how you know cool those places are and historically cool they are, I was all access man. I I I got to go in and go wherever the hell I wanted to and, almost and experience famous. in a different way. Yeah, so it was kind of fun. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, same thing with New York. I got to go to CBGBs. And the only thing I will say about oh, CBGBs. So cool is for me, and it, it ends with a dud, but I was in, uh, my wife was in Cleveland doing some work for a company that she just worked with, so I took the kids on a trip, and yeah. we went to two places. We went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, we went to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and we go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they have the awning from CBGB's, and I turn to my boys, and I go, boys, I actually managed a band, and we played there, and oh. they went... And then they walked away. And I was like, I was waiting for like this really, I was like, oh they my God. They pick you up, carry you out, like, dad, dad. But in my mind, I was like, like, guys, this is a piece of history. It and is, your dad too. Was, your dad was. This is Yankee Stadium. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but, it's like, but I didn't Stadium. just go in there. But my, in my mind, and again, I'm, you're, you're, as a parent, you're trying to get your kids to have any fucking yeah. interest in you, like yeah. <laughs> at a, on a higher level. And I'm like, no, no, no. I didn't just walk in there to see a band. I was one of the bands I that, managed. that was we played. There. Right. And yes, the bathroom is fucking disgusting. It's just the like grossest. they've all said. Yeah. yeah. I was there. And the problem with all of that is I realized I was at a time when you didn't take a lot of fucking photos. There was not a lot of video. Yeah. Like that's you didn't do that shit. They didn't have Instagram yeah. back then? Yeah, can you believe it? Damn. No, you see what I mean? You're, you're <laughs> yeah. kind of, I'm now I'm kind of bummed because yeah. you'd have I mean, to have a camera on you to take pictures. Back I did, then. you know. So we oh, we that's... were in Colorado. This is one of yeah. my favorites. We were in Colorado, and I had like the classic film, black and white. Yeah. I was the artsy guy taking photographs. Dork. We fucking hike a huge fucking mountain, in Colorado, and I'm like, yeah. I get down. No There's no film. fucking film. No God film. God. I knew it. You fucking dick. <laughs> Children have no idea. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. <laughs> anyway, all right, that's enough. For uh, Ira, what are you working on now? <laughs> um, I'm looking at potentially starting this science channel show. So, looking at that, and you working? At, you're looking at potentially starting it, as in the show's already in, going to go into production. It's going into production, gotcha. story producing. It. Nice. So um, we'll see about that and continuing development projects. Yeah. Anything you're super excited about right now? Uh, super excited. Uh, I'm excited about one particular project. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so nice. see how it goes. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I don't know. Should people look for you online, or is that not your deal? Or nah, I like to be anonymous. Yeah, like you guys. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> what a we do a great dick. job. <laughs> We're really uh, good well. At it. Thank you so much for coming on the show, dude. Appreciate that was yeah, uh, thank you so much. Great chat. Appreciate it. Um, let's see. I'm gonna be oh I'm gonna be up at Sketchfest in San Francisco next weekend. The Drawing? Week, no, the weekend of the twenty uh, fourth and twenty fifth. We have two show. I have two shows with um, Cam Don. Yes, is the name of the show. It'll be at uh, a theater. I don't have all the info, but I'll post it on our Facebook page when I do. But uh, two guest, sh- two shows. What's that? Former guest. Former guest Don Black uh, will is the one who's in charge of all that. So I know Don. You know, yeah, you know Don. Don's Don, everyone knows Don. He's yeah. well, everyone knows Don. Love voice. Don. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Everyone yeah, knows everyone Don's knows voice that. from Toys That Made Us. Don Black. Um, it was funny. I ran into him on New Year's Eve, and he had this idea for me in this sketch show. And then 
me and Nicole started throwing things back at him, like ideas. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, no, 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 this is way better. And like ended up <laughs> tweaking what he had. He's to a great Nicole's musician, idea. by the way. What's that? He's a great musician. Oh, yeah. he Dude, he's literally a, 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 one of the most band. well-rounded entertainers yeah. I've ever known. Yeah. Um, but I'm looking forward to that. So if you're in the San Francisco area, uh, keep your eye out for details. Um, other than that, uh, uh, great show, everybody. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And uh, have a great week. Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe. 